0: This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. My guest today is Dr. Sarah Lepe. Most college students feel a little lost after graduating. Most college athletes have that exact same trouble and possibly more. Sarah started a company, Rebranded Athlete, to help with just that. We talk about the need for a pair of jump soles, bartending at the local hotel in town, and starting a company from scratch.
1: And to have that moment where I didn't know what was next and to have my plan A fade away and not even have a plan B and nobody even talked to me about what it's gonna be like after college and not only college, but leaving college athletics. Like I look back now and I was depressed. Like I was going through some, some mild depression at the time that I, I wasn't aware of because that identity I had been Sarah, the volleyball player, since I was eight years old. And I left Fullerton not even knowing who I was.
0: I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to all our archives. My guests have ranged from life coaches, professors, and Cal State Fullerton, Director of Strength and Conditioning, Isaac Salazar. One of the things people want to do, like when they want to
1: train, they also want to eat better, right? And they look at things like I should be eating this, I shouldn't be eating this, and they try to make, you know, they take everything out of their out of their pantry, they go buy all like grass-fed organic. <laughs> right. They go to farmers markets, they buy like the the best produce right. and it rots in their fridge or it rots in their <laughs> pantry. Because they do too much too soon. And the same thing with training, like you do too much too soon, you can't, you can't do that every single day for five, six, seven, eight, nine years. Like over time, you can eventually get there, but you don't have to do it right away in day one or day 30. You can make little tiny adjustments to get to 360 degrees and you can do it two degrees at a time.
0: Go to justgoodconversation.com for all our archives. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into my conversation with Sarah Lepe. I am sitting down with a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah, how are you? Doing great, Matt. How about you? I cannot (laughs) believe I've got a doctor on the podcast.
1: (laughs) You sure do. (laughs) You got a smile. That's so great. How, I mean, how are you doing, doing? You know, life is great right now, Matt. I have been through so much and I'm at a point in my life where I am just so happy where I'm headed, and looking back at where I, where I've come from, and seeing you it has been like a blast from the past. <laughs> We're gonna relive those good old Cal State Fullerton days, and you well, I'm seeing
0: you like an adult clone. I'm used to
1: you with like a number. On I the know, front. right? Did you even recognize me when I came in? Barely. <laughs> you yeah. have
0: knee pads and matching shoes with the rest of the other
1: six footers. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're doing good. Thank you. Yes, everything's doing great. That's great.
0: Yeah. That's how it should be, <laughs> especially now that you know you're a full blown you know adult.
1: Yes, the, yeah. d- the adulting Not world. Not making it through college. <laughs> now you're an adult. Right.
0: <laughs> how, uh, how did you get to Fullerton? I I, I it's, it's reading someone's bios one thing. Right. But where did you grow up and get to, and get to Fullerton? Yeah. How did that happen for you?
1: Well, let me start from the beginning. You got some time? Sure. <laughs> sure. Your husband's all good. <laughs> yeah. He, he's good to go. So we got some time here. So I grew up in Oxnard, California. So you're still home. I am. I am. And you know what? That was supposed to be a pit stop and I'll get to that. <laughs>
0: wow. Cause you know, Oxnard's not the place people go, let's move there.
1: Right. It's not, Yeah, exactly. So that's home for me. Um, grew up in Oxnard as a baby, like mom and dad born and raised, born and raised, born and raised in Oxnard. Um, and actually I didn't leave until I went to Fullerton. That was the first time that we had moved or I had moved anywhere else besides Oxnard Did mom and dad meet in Oxnard. Nope. Mom and dad actually met in Switzerland. (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow, this is going to be a good... I should put my feet up. This is going to be good. Get
1: comfortable. <laughs> okay, so we got to get mom and dad on. I mean, we should. We should. <laughs> Switzerland to Oxnard? Yeah, crazy, right? So mom, <laughs> mom and dad, uh, at the time my mom had gone, she had a previous marriage. Okay. And got up the courage, mustered up the courage to get around $500 to go on a whim on this tour in Switzerland. At the time, my dad was into education. He was taking a group of students over to Europe on a tour and they one night had gone to one of the ski lodges up there <laughs> and having a cocktail my parents met at the bar <laughs> magic and magic and, it, and within six months um, my mom was living in Maine so not even in California
0: I love Maine
1: Maine's beautiful oh, I've been a couple of times it's so
0: underrated I love right
1: Maine. yeah I
0: could talk right now I can go right now
1: so my brother and sister were at home. Why my mom had gone uh, off to Europe. Met my dad, and within six months uh, kept a close relationship. Back then, this was like '70s, so we're talking. They're sure. writing letters and calling every now and then. <laughs> and then decided to get married. And at the time, my dad was living in California. And my dad said, "Come out." And oh, that's sweet. They got married in 1979, and they've been married ever since. <laughs> wow.
0: Thank God your mother mustered up the, uh, you know, ability to go across the country and the world and
1: go to the bar. And and funny enough, I ended up being a bartender later in my life. So I totally understand how people meet in bars. I saw that. We're going to talk about your bartending skills later. So Oxnard was, was the place. Oxnard was the place. My dad, um at the time was an educator and he was an assistant principal moving into principal position. And he had moved from Fresno to Oxnard. That's where my grandparents uh, had originated from. Uh, So my, my grandpa was in the Navy. And okay. so they're originally from Virginia and Texas. Um, when my parent, when my grandparents had met. Is this on mom's side or dad's side? Dad's side. Okay. Yeah. And so being in the military, my dad was a military brat. So they traveled all over the place. Um, he was stationed in Point Magoo, um, which is right near Oxnard, a okay. Navy base there. Right. And when my grandpa came, he knew that this was home. It was just getting developed at the time, Oxnard. And... Um, my, my dad's side of the family, African-American. And so for them during that time, they could only buy certain parts of town, right. Because, you right. know, people of color can only live in certain areas. So my grandpa had saved his, his savings from the Navy and decided this is the place that they wanted to be. And he had his own home custom made. And even at the time, um, they, the plans that he had for the house, he had gone through different contractors and different things. And the city came back and told him that's too much house for a man of color.
0: Really? Yes. Is this late forties, early fifties? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Late forties. Yeah. Into the early fifties. And so at the time we, he had customized the house, finally got it to the way that he wanted it to be the way that they would approve it to be. And then my grandparents, Oh, they lived there until actually about 10 years ago when they passed away, but just- Oh my
0: goodness. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's like the roots. (laughs) Right.
0: Where, where about now in Oxnard were they allowing people of color to live?
1: So it was on the South side of Oxnard only. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so it was either Hispanic or black could only have those certain communities where they lived. Yeah. That's crazy. Very crazy. <laughs>
0: wow. And I'm, I'm sure too, he wasn't trying to build a 10,000 square foot no. home. So <laughs> it, even if it was an 1,800 square foot home and they said, no, nah, you're only good for 12.
1: Right. Yeah. That is nuts. Isn't it? Can yeah. So imagine trying to pull that crap now. Yeah. Yeah. Just completely <laughs> different now. And I just, you know, looking back at that and all that, they had to sacrifice. That's and real then, sacrifice yeah, too. Right. Right. You and know. then seeing, you know, how that built up even were like the possibilities for me now because of what they had to go through. Oh yeah. Know? Just so grateful.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That people do not understand the real sacrifice people of color made. Right. In at that time. Like that's absolutely for someone to stand and tell you you're not going to have a home that big.
1: Yeah the balls. Exactly. And he had the money. He had sure. he had everything he needed, but he just wasn't didn't fit the profile. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. You're <laughs> a south side of town. Yes. Yes. So yeah. did you enjoy growing up in a small area of Oxnard? Cuz it's definitely not like Santa Barbara. It's not LA or the Valley. Right. You know? It's a, it's a buy when you go into Santa Barbara.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's funny. A lot of people pass right by Oxnard and don't realize it's such a beautiful beach town. It is. It's like a well-kept secret, really.
0: (laughs) It's got that beautiful harbor and it's a beautiful beach town.
1: Yeah. So we grew up um, with my parents. We grew up in a little small house. Um, When I was eight years old, my parents had enough money then to buy their own house because they were renting for a long time. And we moved to a great neighborhood. Um, You know, I I think it was a great place growing up as a gated community. Um, Everybody in that community um, came together. And I think a lot of it, like I look back now, my dad had a big part in that. He was always the type of person to, like, get people involved. And we had even progressive dinners and events and all kinds of things within the neighborhood. And a lot of those kids that I grew up there um I went to school with and I actually played with like volleyball even too. So it was a really tight knit community wow. that we had. Yeah.
0: Was there any residual problem of being a woman of color at that time?
1: Uh, for, well, I guess for me, because my, so my dad's black and my mom's white, right. so I was always bi biracial. Right. And so growing up with that, I had a little bit of difficulty only because people would, you know, always ask me, well, what are you? Are you black? Or are you white? And I'm like, yes, um, I'm both. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, and, and I, I remember even as a kid, like having to fill out surveys sometimes and they would, you know, ask you for your ethnicity and it says, choose one. And I remember, I'm like, what do you mean choose one? Like, I'm not white and I'm not black. Like, I'm both of those combined. And there was never growing up, like, the option for mixed.
0: Right. Is there now, even to this day? Now there is. Because that's fine. I just (laughs) filled out something the other day and I'm trying to think in my head, like, I guess,
1: do you go to other if there's not? Yes, I default to other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, one or the other just doesn't do it for me.
0: Right, no, not (laughs) at all. You're not Pacific Islander, you're not Native American, you're not, yeah, I'm other. Just put melting pot there. (laughs) 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 Melting pot. Oh, so yeah. there was no issues like what your grandfather dealt with by the time no, you were a young girl, not
1: at all. And Oxnard is a very diverse community, and very, I think yeah. I think that on top of it, like my husband and I talk about that a lot. Like we had great experiences growing up in the school system because they were diverse. You know, we had friends of all kinds of different nationalities and races, and and we never like I never really realized it, you know, until later when you know I I moved out and I you know went on different directions and I came back home. And even being an educator, like just realizing that group of friends I had, like we were all different races, all different backgrounds. And we all were striving for the same thing.
0: That's how it's supposed to be. There's nothing worse, I guess. I'm just going to say this. If you grew up and you only had all black friends, all white friends, all Hispanic friends, like there's so much more to be given in your life if you have All kinds of, especially when you're younger, when you're a kid, like all kinds of abilities to see stuff. Right. Yeah. I grew up in the barrio where I saw Mrs. Gutierrez like slaughter the hog and we were going to eat it in a day or two and it was going to be the best tacos I've ever had. Like those, those were the best times. Right. If I grew up in Beverly Hills, it would suck. Get old. Yeah. Ah, yeah.
1: In my big pool again. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. That's no yeah, fun. Yeah, and just have you know different cultural experiences. Right. Which, you know, and and even now living in Oxnard now, it's it's very similar. You know, there's all kinds of different walks of life that are in that town, and I think that's probably why I've stayed a little while. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah.
0: Now, did you find volleyball, or did volleyball find you?
1: Um, I think it was. Fate. <laughs> a little bit of both. Um it actually. There you go. you're circling two right. boxes again. <laughs> exactly, both, yes. <laughs> so um my aunt was a big influence in my life. Um she was a PE teacher, coach, she coached softball, basketball, volleyball, and Mom it, or dad's side? Dad's side. Okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so she was I was like her buddy when was I was she little. Athletic? She was athletic. Uh, was she, mom athletic? Mom was not athletic, was and neither was dad. So, okay, so I think Dad's I get sister. it from Auntie Pam. Okay. <laughs> Auntie Pam wearing yeah. the athletic yeah, shoes. exactly. And she, um, she played basketball for Cal State Northridge back, and she'll tell you this, back in the day. Right. <laughs> and so her influence was always, you know, me being around her. And at the time she was coaching high school because she was a PE teacher. And so she was coaching softball. So I used to be the bat girl for the softball team. I would go out there wow. and help out. And then I was the ball girl for the volleyball team. <laughs> And that's where I fell in love for the first time with the sport. I was five years old. And now, why
0: volleyball and not softball?
1: Well, I think maybe for softball, I had a bad experience. Uh-oh, uh-oh, <laughs> did you take a ball off the dome? Or? Well, yeah, pretty, almost, almost that scenario. I was going to get, so there was a batter that was up. She had hit the ball. My job was to go and retrieve the bat, right? And I've done it tons of times retrieved the bat, brought it back to the dugout. So I was going to run after the bat. The umpire didn't see me, knocked me down. Um, I don't, and I, I'd have to ask my aunt because I don't remember. I don't know <laughs> if I was knocked out or if I was just that shooken up <laughs> by the whole situation. Crushed five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that was probably my first time of like, maybe not softball. Although when I was eight years old, eight, nine and 10. I did play softball. I was pretty good at it too.
0: Did you have any lingering PTSD from it <laughs> yeah. or anything? Or?
1: I did get hit a couple of times in the head <laughs> with the softball. <laughs> and I think from there, that was it for me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay stay away from the hard ones and <laughs> just lay on to, you know, maybe volleyball. The balls were a little bit softer. Right. So. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's, there's no reason to get knocked down yeah. by a man with, you know, chest guard. Right? And yeah, man, so.
1: exactly. Exactly. But when I was, the ball girl for volleyball i just i remember looking at the girls and seeing the ball go back and forth and just how much fun they were having and when they would spike the ball i was just mesmerized by it and that was like my first exposure to volleyball i'd never seen it before or heard of it before did did it ever get played at all the beach there you know in oxnard there's there's like maybe two sand courts (laughs) and you would think beach water Right. Beautiful people. Yes. Kind of natural. Right. Yeah. And no, no. And even to this day, like there's so much potential in just the city of Oxnard to have something like that. Now the, the neighboring cities like Ventura. Right. Yeah. Have like big beach volleyball courts. We have leagues that go up there and participate and do that. But in Oxnard, there's not.
0: Wow. Yeah. I don't, that's so funny. Mm -hmm. I would thought it was just, it's natural. Like you would have just, you're on the beach, throw up a net.
1: Right. People will show up. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of rare, but.
0: So did you start to become a tall girl as a young age and that kind Uh. of influences volleyball? (laughs) Right. Because if you're, if you don't get above five feet for the longest time, it's not really going to be your cup of tea.
1: Yeah, that's true. I was kind of one of the shorties until about nine or 10. And that's when i started to have a growth spurt um, i've always had big feet <laughs> since i was little so i know so you were a good swimmer i was okay. always a good swimmer yes <laughs> my dad always used to tease me and say oh you brought home another stereo today when i bring home the shoe boxes you know <laughs> just like messing around with me my good old dad <laughs> he's gonna let you have it anytime. he is he is yeah that's love it is. Yeah. It is. He was always, you know, <laughs> making me laugh somehow and making light out of things. Sure. Yeah. But, um, no, it probably wasn't until I was about 10 or 11 that okay. I started to have a gross spurt. And then I did realize I was taller than all my friends. And I, so when I was exposed to volleyball at the age of five, I started to play at the age of eight. So remember I said, I, right. So my dad was um, an educator. So he, at the time when I was eight years old, was a principal of a brand new elementary school that I ended up going to as well. And so from there, he knew that he wanted to start up sports and volleyball was something that he started with another teacher. And so all my friends that were there, like, we kind of just like, hey, let's play volleyball. And we were trying to have a co-ed team at the time because there were a couple of guys that I played with and we just had so much fun. And um, being eight years old, it was like, this is great. Like, we're going to have a co-ed team. And then we found out we couldn't have a co-ed team. It could only be an all-girls team. And at the time, there were no, boy like, leagues for boys in volleyball in our town or in our, in our county. It was, like, the weirdest thing. So the guys would still go out there, and they'd play with us, and, and we just we started getting better, better and better. Sure.
0: Why not? Yeah. So they were segregating the boys out no not not playing with the
1: girls yeah no league for the boys that's unfortunate you know (laughs) again more potential sitting there exactly just waiting exactly and the funny part is that that group we went all the way through from fourth grade fifth grade sixth grade we played together we went to state every year uh we never won state and you're getting taller yes (laughs) at the time getting taller Then we went off to a middle school because the elementary school only went up to sixth grade at the time. Right, right. So then we went off to um, middle school and we played there for two years. And that's when I started to realize, hey, I'm kind of getting good at this. You realized? Yes.
0: Nobody said anything to you? Mom and dad, no coaches. You kind of feel?
1: Well, my dad. So my dad was always the one that was like, always taught college, always taught like, you know, you could be this, you could do that. And so there's opportunities with exactly, this sport. exactly, and even like the club scene in Ventura County wasn't very big at the time. There were maybe two clubs to pick from okay. in our county, and so one of them um, was focused more on students and kids who couldn't afford a lot. And so it wasn't like you know paying the thousands of dollars for club. Like we literally paid I think $700 for the season, and that was just to help cover the costs of the tournaments all the coaches did it voluntarily because they knew that this was something that the community needed. Wow.
0: Yeah. Because $700 now covers like a weekend. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. ridiculous how much youth sports costs. Yeah. Holy Christ.
1: Yeah. So, so fortunate. Um, you know, there was a coach, his name's Jerry Arnalis, that was part of uh, Ventura and was the founder of Ventura West Volleyball Club. So that's the very first club that I had played for. And I played for him and a couple other various coaches. And that was... The first time that I started getting exposed to other competition, when we would go and travel and I'd play and we'd see and I'm like, man, look at these girls. Look at this competition. Like, I want to rise up to that level too. So we started playing and. So some competitive juices started oh, bubbling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I finally realized, like, wow, like, I want, I want to compete. It wasn't just, oh, okay, let's just go play volleyball for the weekend. Because that
0: happens. There's it a does. lot of kids, they just go out and they're just doing what their other friends are doing.
1: Right. And
0: then. Now, I, did you have brothers and sisters uh-huh. in the house that were playing sports with you?
1: So my my brother and sister are from my mom's previous right. marriage. So they're 12 and 15 years older than I am. Okay, so, so they
0: weren't playing yeah, volleyball with you. No, there.
1: they weren't. And so when we had moved to our new house, that's when my brother and sister moved out on their own. So okay. I grew up with them like half my <laughs> childhood.
0: Right, right. Um, and so there wasn't that inner... Competitive, beating your brother or beating your sister at whatever. Yeah,
1: not so much, because they were they were always that much older than me. Right. Yeah. So your
0: competition really came, or competitiveness came from the sport. It Not, did. not in the house. Right. Fighting for who's going to... Although
1: gonna st- we did fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say but it was But they're just-
0: 15 years older than exactly. you. That's not much of a fight. Exactly. When you're five and he's 20, it's <laughs> he's being kind. Right. <laughs> he can pick you up, put you in your way. Yeah, and- <laughs> well,
1: now we're all the same size, right. so... <laughs>
0: Well, it's going to be all come around. Yeah. At some point he'll be, you know, very elderly and then you can really pick right, on exactly. him. Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the competitiveness was in your own body, your own fire.
1: Yeah, it was. and And so every year there was a big tournament up in UC Davis. It was like the volleyball festival. This was like the big thing for all clubs. And so my seventh grade year, that was my first time being exposed to it. And I was just like, Whoa, this is crazy. It was like a full huge convention center that had all these volleyball courts. And then you had like these elite teams that came in. And mind you, you know, we're like low budget team. You know, we had probably like a parent that had created the um the shirts for us and we didn't have like the fancy uniforms like everybody else and we're we're showing up and I was just like, holy crap, <laughs> like this is this is big time. This is a big event. Yeah. And We're not in Oxnard no, anymore. No, not in Oxnard <laughs> anymore. That little town. <laughs> and they had, you know, this welcoming event that uh, I believe was at um, where the Sacramento Kings play. Okay. Yeah, up there. And so everybody got, wow. was able to go in and, you know, they'd say Ventura West. And we go out with our signs and everybody would be, you know. Screaming and yelling. Screaming and yelling. Like, yeah. and, and I remember there was um, an Olympic athlete that was... What year is this? This was, oh my goodness, this was probably 97.
0: Okay, so someone on the 96 Olympics, So it was
1: um, Tara Cross Battle. Okay. And she was there being interviewed, just kind of like doing like a welcoming for us. And I remember at that moment, I'm like, wow, like an Olympic athlete. Is here talking to all of us about this and telling us like we can you know strive and do our best and be, you know, be the best we can be during this tournament and she's giving us all this pep talk.
0: And she I'm just, must have been a, just a just a, a goddess to you guys looking up.
1: Totally full
0: grown blown volleyball
1: woman. Yes, yes, and just looking at that and, and thinking <laughs> and, and I think that was the first time that I was like, huh, I want to be like that. I want to be somebody that other people look up to, and other people admire. And so I think that's when the first seed was planted for me to take volleyball to another level.
0: Wow. Yeah. Didn't take much. Just that little moment at that tournament. Yeah.
1: That, that little moment. And then from there. My dad, you know, and I I was always a kid that I just went out there and played. You know, I was, and and even to this day, when I play on the beach with my friends, because every now and then we'll go out on the weekend, and even when I was playing at Fullerton, I never looked at the scoreboard. The scoreboard would just, like, get me out of rhythm. Really? Yes. Yep. Unless, you know, there's there's some times where you got to see where the score's at, but, Even now, like, I don't keep score. Like, somebody else has to keep track of that because, (laughs) first of all, I don't like to do the math in my head. (laughs) I just need to know what side I need to be on and what the play is. (laughs) It's 21. There's no quantum physics involved. Hey, anything can throw you off during the game, Matt.
0: One, two.
1: Three. It's come on. It's yeah, an easy, right? <laughs> but that's how how narrowed my focus has always been when I'm on that court. Like I'm worried. I'm worried about the moment. I'm not worried about the play that happened behind us. The play that's before us. I'm worried about that moment and what really? I'm going to do. Really, at that early age, you were you were seeing that. I was starting to see that at an early age. That's that is very maturely right.
0: impressive. Like that's just unbelievable. Because yeah. a lot of times that just doesn't happen. Yet. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and so, and even like the surroundings, like my dad was telling me, he's like, oh, he's like, well, I talked to a couple of the recruits that were in, you know, in the stands. Like, they're interested in you. And I was like, what are you talking about, dad? And he was like, yeah, no, like college recruits are already starting to talk to me about you. And this was seventh grade.
0: Seven. Okay. What's your height at seventh grade?
1: I, I. Probably was about five eight or five nine at the time. I'm five eleven now, right. and that's what I was when I finally completed. But I think by the time I rolled into high school, I was five eleven.
0: What's your athleticism then? Was it very noticeable? Because that's what you're looking yeah. at too. You you know this. You played with them. Yeah. You can be really tall. Doesn't mean anything because you can't move. Right.
1: Yeah. No. I th- at the time I was pretty athletic. Um, it stood out. Yeah, it did. I kind of. I had gone through that awkward, like body phase right. earlier where, you know, seventh
0: grade is like, it's hitting for girls. Yes. 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 So one I kind of gotten the body's longer than the other, you know, <laughs>
1: yeah, try to, left feet or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Your arm, one arm's long, yeah. one arm's kind of still short and you're like, I don't know what to do. My, my mom to this day still says that, Cause she put me in uh, ballet. I was in dance when I was little. So she still thinks to this day that ballet is what saved me later as an athlete with my grace. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hated dance. I, I was in it for 10 years and I finally, 10 years, ten years Matt.
0: <laughs> wow. But you know what though? Moving, that's where you learn how to move your feet, right? ballet, dance, and stuff like that, it can help a lot of people. Yeah. God knows, I've seen a lot of athletes that can use it. I'm sure you've yeah. played with quite a few that you're like, oh, yeah. you just a cha-cha would help you. Like, you're
1: lost. Yeah, and even having that experience, like, you know, footwork and everything, it's 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 tough, even right. as you're going through it.
0: So was it jazz, or, or was it ballet? It was
1: ba- jazz, ballet, and tap. Oh, yeah, boy. Yeah, all three of them. Miss those, that yeah. would have been great. Yeah. So... When did then, at high school, did you
0: just take off?
1: I did. So by my eighth grade year, that's when I started. The momentum was really starting to go. And then when I got into high school... Um so I went to Oxnard High School. That that program at the time so the high school had been around for years, but the program was definitely in the building years. Um brand new coaches who had only been there for a couple of years and we were in the Channel League which was like the elite league um within the within the county we were playing Santa Barbara, Dos Pueblos, like all these big name schools.
0: How many high schools are in Oxnard?
1: Uh currently there are then, Then, then. Yeah. Then there were Cuz I'm sure it's grown. Yeah, then there were three or four. Okay. And now there's about five going on six. They're building a new one as well. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's growing. See,
0: that's expansion.
1: Absolutely. It's one thing
0: they'll jam kids into an elementary school, but to say they're going to build a high school, that's where there's real money. Right. Right. Cause you could build little temporary shelf porta potties or whatever and mm-hmm. bathrooms and the whole thing for elementary school. High school's expensive to build. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they, they have their, eye. they actually have like two properties, one that they're going to start, pretty soon and then another one down the road too, too. Yeah. yeah yeah so when you're
0: you're a young girl it's three or four schools and that's it yeah and you do you get a better are you at a better volleyball school at that time or did? did no
1: actually that so that's the funny part is that we were in the channel league that freshman year the first year and we're just getting handed to us like you're left on and right. not on varsity really okay no. not on varsity let me tell you why so Didn't really think it would be a big deal over the summertime to make plans to go on vacation. So at the time. (laughs) Well, you didn't make plans. Your parents (laughs) made plans. Well, it was funny. It was one of my friends that, you know, we were going to, I think it was like Vegas or something we were going to go to. And the dates conflicted with part of the tryout. And I didn't know it at the time. And I don't know, just being naive and thinking about it now, it's like I should have dropped everything to go to those tryouts. I missed one day of the tryouts. And so as a result of that, I was quote unquote punished for not being there for one of the days. And so I ended up on JV that first year instead, but.
0: One day costed you one year?
1: One day. Now this is what year? This is two, uh, no, No, 99, 98, 98. So there's
0: what, did they send you an email in AOL and you missed it or something? Or did the, the note not yeah. get in
1: your lunchbox yeah, when you went it may home? not have been in the lunchbox. Because <laughs> now yeah. there's no excuse. So, like That yeah. information
0: gets to you. Yeah,
1: there were no text messages back then. Nobody right. had personal cell phones, you know, right. none of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I, I missed one day and it wasn't. I don't think it was like actually playing. I think it was like a conditioning day. Sure. That I, that they just I missed. want to see you. Yeah, exactly. They want to see me in action. But and you're a high roller in Vegas at the time. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You're at the, the craps table, Exactly. Like, 14 year old big in Vegas. Vegas right? I don't need this. <laughs> 200 on black. <laughs> oh man. So. So you're I, punished. Yeah, I'm punished for that that one day of going to Vegas. But in hindsight. I think that was the best thing that could have happened for me because I was on JV. I didn't have that big ego going into high school. Like, yeah, I made varsity, like it still made me work. You know, and in that year I grew so much, I think even as a leader, because I was the captain that year, I took on all these responsibilities on the JV team. And then it allowed my coaches to see like, wow, look at the potential that she has. And even years later, they told me like, you should have been on varsity you know they did <laughs>
0: right it's very jordan estevy yeah. though like when he got cut from the jv basketball team yeah. and he yeah. took it personal
1: yeah but that's what you got to do you know and i think that was probably one of the first life lessons that i had but you well. know
0: this 9 out of 10 pout you're the one who didn't pout you took it personal put that chip on your shoulders and i'll show them right and you saddled up became the leader dragged your jv team to what what was the record 10 oh, and 11 man. or whatever
1: yeah. <laughs> well we were doing better than varsity i'll just tell oh, you that much wow good <laughs> that year suck it varsity yeah, exactly Show you. exactly yeah so that year we were in the channel league and then the following year um, the county decided to mix up the league so we would we were traveling to like santa barbara which is about 30 minutes from oxnard um, on a and big yellow
0: school bus, yeah, that's right. fun.
1: <laughs> and they decided, decided to make the leagues more local. So that, now we were playing Ventura, we'd play um, Wainimi, like Le- Buena High School, like Ooh. all these high schools that were closer to us. So now we were in the Pacific View League, okay? And so from there, that was my first year being on varsity. And from there, we won the championship that first year being in that league, and for the next. 13 years, Oxnard High School continued to win the the Pacific View League every single year from the foundation that we set in that first year.
0: Well, aren't we a pillar?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I
0: had no idea. Yeah. I was sitting with such royalty. Oh, yes. Doctors, <laughs> one, thing, have been a pillar of the Pacific View League Championship yes. run of 14, 13 years. 13 years. years. Greatness. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Um, but one thing I want to bring up, too, is that, you know, going back to that co-ed team, remember I talked right. about. So once we got to high school, those guys, it was now their turn to finally play. There
0: there, was a a league for them. There was a
1: league for them. And and the great part is that um, one of my dear friends, I've known him since fourth grade, Alfred Reft. He was a huge part for us growing up because he had always helped coach us. Like he was there since we were, you know, in the fourth grade helping to coach us. And by the time we got to high school, he was also on the men's, on the boys team, but he helped during the off season, coaches on the sides, helped run the drills, helped co-coach even like the fresh, the frosh soft teams. And he went on to play for the men's national team. Wow. Which is, you know, just to, to have grown up with somebody to have so much love for the sport. And now he's at uh, USD, University of San Diego. He's um, the assistant coach over there, but just to see his whole journey start with us as being those fourth graders and even for him being told he couldn't play in a league.
0: <laughs> right. He was 10. All he wanted to do was play.
1: Yeah. I when I played
0: in well, when I was in high school, they didn't let boys play volleyball cuz they said, point blank, girls play volleyball. So we did not wow. have a league or they did not let you play volleyball in the gym. Yeah. That was that was and the girls won state and they were really good. Now, boys don't That's play volleyball. That's so crazy. I know. Now they played it at Huntington Beach. They played it at Capo Valley. But North Orange County, no, girls. That's girls' Yeah,
1: sport. yeah. And it's, there's so much potential for, for guys on this sport. Yeah.
0: But you know this, even collegiately, only like a third of the schools mm-hmm. is compared to women. Like there's 300 in Division One, and there's 40 right. on the men's side. Yeah. And they have to combine Division Two and Division One for the NCAA tournament. Right. Because there's so few.
1: Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so that's... You know part of the high school experience and
0: now there's a gem i discovered in your high school experience Uh oh what'd
1: you dig up yeah
0: the (laughs) 11 foot hallway Mm. yeah tell me about this because i read the article and everything but i want to hear it right from you
1: so okay Going back to that day that I missed for conditioning. (laughs) When you were in Vegas, (laughs) you keep forgetting. Oh, come on. (laughs) So conditioning is a huge part for Oxnard volleyball program. Um, I veered to say that we probably could have taken on the track and the the cross-country team because we were always running. That's just... Our coaches during that time, that was, that was, thing. that was their big thing. You know, we would run three miles before practice. We'd have to go like, go and run a mile and a half, go touch the end of the light pole and come all the way back. Like that was just, what'd you guys
0: run to the, uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base and <laughs> yeah. <in> back? <that>? Like, <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> they always wanted to make sure that we were in shape. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And so um, one of the one of the guys that um, I had gone to elementary with, he had a huge growth spurt when we were in high school. I I think he ended up being like six, four, six, five um, at the time. And so there was this huge walkway as you got into the gym and every day we'd walk in. You know, his name was Eric and he would just, you know. Jump and touch it, and like no problem. Effortless. Effortlessly. Bastard.
0: I'm still waiting for that growth spurt. By the way, you mentioned about high school.
1: Yeah, I'm still waiting. <laughs> still waiting. Maybe one day, Matt. Yeah, it'll
0: come. <laughs> oh
1: my god. Um, and so, there was one day we were in the gym, and he, you know, had done it a couple times. And my coach, Coach Rice at the time, she looked over and she's like, "Okay, Morrison, you need to try doing that." And I was like, why, (laughs) you know, I'm like, I'm not going to touch it. You know? And she's like, no, she's like, if you touch that, she's like, you don't have to run a single set of lines anymore in this gym. And you're a freshman at this time. I'm probably a a sophomore, sophomore sophomore at the time. Okay. And I was like, okay. So everybody's like, yeah, Mo, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. And by the time, by the way, my last name used to be Morrison. Morrison, So that's why everybody called me Mo. And I'm like, all right, let me try. So I backed up. And I, I ran to approach and I probably missed it by like three feet. <laughs> and I'm like you full full five eleven at this time? Yes. At the time so I you had your am, spurt too. Yeah, I had my Damn spurt it. as well. And so I was like, I'm like, all right, let me try it again. And so I went and I probably got a little bit closer. And two and a half feet. <laughs> two and a half feet. And so and I and I looked at the coach and I said, I'm gonna touch it. And she looked at me and she's like Okay, I bet you can't. <laughs> and I'm
0: like, she just saw you. Yeah, <laughs> okay, exactly. Kid. Yeah,
1: she knew. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So at the time, um, jump soles. I don't know if you remember yes, those things back in the day. Hard, I laughed so <laughs> hard. So jump soles were just coming out. For those of you who don't know what this is, it's like this little contraption that you put, you know, on the on the ball of your foot, and you put them on there. So basically, it's almost like you're walking in heels. And it's supposed to help increase your vertical. And at the time, I was doing chores for my parents, different things, and this was almost towards summer. And I told them, I'm like, look, I really want to buy these things because I want to not only prove a point to my coaches, but I also want to increase my vertical too, because it's just gonna help me with volleyball.
0: Now where did you see these even in like was it in a volleyball magazine? Yeah it was probably
1: a volleyball magazine, like an ad, you know, that that I saw in there. Like those are exactly what I want. And and, um, we I had also seen them uh, I think somebody like, actually, no, it was the basketball team at Oxnard High School had some jump soles because they used to use them, too. And I was like, those are exactly what I want. <laughs> so I did all kinds of yard work that summer. just In to- heels? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, in heels (laughs) to to get enough money to buy the (laughs) the jump soles. And I I remember just working my butt off in the back, pulling weeds, you know, mowing the grass, doing all kinds of stuff. And I finally got enough money. How much were they? they They're like 100 bucks. Were they really? Yeah, and that was back then. Like, that's expensive. It still is now. My kids came to me for a pair of heels. I tell them (laughs) to go to hell. And my parents were like, we're not buying those for you. You know, if you want them, you you earn them. I'm like, okay. So I did. And, and at the time, I think you had to like stuff an envelope with like the order form and put your check in there or money or whatever it was, and I mailed it off. And then probably like three, four, four six five, weeks later, right? Six yeah. weeks later, they finally arrived. And so you I, get a midsummer. Like oh, in a midsummer, like before we're starting to do the conditioning and stuff. Right. So I got him in and I remember just being so excited to put them on. And then <laughs> I'm pretty sure my parents, when, when they came, they're like, that's it. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I worked for. <laughs> <laughs> looking at, like, what? Yeah. So I go outside and I get a jump rope and I go out there and I jump rope with them on like up and down, up and down, up and down. And then I, um, when we started school, I always had them with me. So anytime we were at, in the conditioning room or doing weights, like I'd pull them out and I started to like do box jumps with them, get on the boxes.
0: Now in any way, did your shins bother you? Your heels, did it affect you? Like, did you feel like Jesus things are
1: killing me? (laughs) Not at the time, not at the time. Yeah. I don't know if that affected me later on in life, but (laughs)
0: For t- those of you who don't know, she's sitting in a wheelchair oh, right now. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. exactly. Her <laughs> <laughs> lower extremities to, don't work. Had to roll into here, so yeah. <laughs> disclaimer to jump soles. <laughs> she was a great athlete, but now oh she's my destroyed. God, yeah. So you're you're wearing these things as much as you can. As much as I can, and then we go back for summer conditioning and training, right? And I go, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready. And I told the coach, I'm like, I think I'm ready. Now, are you feeling any difference? I'm feeling stronger because over, even over the summer, I'm doing my own weightlifting type stuff. I'm doing push ups, sit-ups, all that kind of stuff to on prepare your on my own. Now, why did you just feel like it was time? I felt like it was time. And I, and I think too, because I knew colleges were starting to watch me and I knew I had to do something different.
0: Were you skinny? I was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that's natural for
1: girls. Yeah, exactly. And I and I wasn't toned. Right. At, you're 5'11", yeah. and you're thin. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. Just, yeah, you have to put on the muscle. Exactly. It doesn't happen for girls naturally. Right.
1: Yeah. So I start doing that kind of stuff. And then we went back to the gym. And like I said, like I told her, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. So I go back and I run and do the same approach I did before, and I touched it. And she looked at me and she's like, do it again. <laughs> so I run back and I run up and I approach and I touched it and she's like one more time (laughs) because she didn't believe me she didn't believe it she thinks you're doing some illusion trick like some you know Vegas yes yes and so the third time I run I approach I jump and I touched it and everyone all my teammates are like applauding, like just so excited because they knew that that was something that I had worked so hard for. And so she looked at me and she said, well, Mo, she's like, for as long as you're in the Oxnard girls volleyball program, you don't have to run another set of lines. And of course this was like the best moment, right? But I looked at her and I said, no, thank you, but no, I'm gonna pass on that opportunity. Those little
0: inverted, high-heeled <laughs> clip-on, whatever you want to call them, gave you two and a half feet of more vertical jump. Mm-hmm. Why were you not the poster child for that thing? <laughs> the rest? I should have You should have blown okay. your career of, of eligibility and right. been the poster child. Right. Only if there was YouTube then. Right. Could you
1: imagine? Oh, man. Now, I mean, that... Oh, my God. It you would have went viral. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Could have been... You, First, it starts out with you like seeing the ad in the magazine, and then you're out there clipping and hedging and mowing, right? There's your time lapse. You write the letter, it comes in the mail, you get it all done. Like it would have been a great YouTube yep. story. Maybe
1: it'll be a movie one day, huh? Oh my, it's gonna
0: be in your bio. <laughs> <Not for laughs> when
1: sure. I'm writing it, I'm gonna yeah,
0: make sure it's no. in there. Because when I read the article, I was like, wait a minute. She did what? Yeah. Now, did you feel it in your in your butt and your thighs and your quad and your your calves? Like you were getting stronger? Yeah. Is that to huge, you know this, like when you were 20, for someone to tell you, you need to jump another 20, 24 inches. Right. You'd have been like, <laughs>
1: right. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I did, I did. And, and the other thing too is, you know, going back to that co-ed team, I would always play with the boys in the off season, right. On the men's net because right. that's going to make me jump even higher on the women. That's nine, right? Yes. <sighs> and nine I used feet. to, I used to crank the ball on the guy's net. Back then, after this whole jump soul experience, right, and that's and that's the thing. Like, you know, I got so much more out of it than losing the opportunity to run lines with my with my teammates. And I didn't want that. I always knew, like, especially being that type of teammate, there's no way I would ever leave my team be, team behind. And so, yeah, I'm like, I'm not gonna sit on the sidelines and watch them do conditioning, like. I'm part of this team and you're, you're, you're only as good as the weakest link. Right. So you got to make sure everybody is on the bus and going in the same direction.
0: Wow. Yeah. So that junior year, right? That's your junior yeah. year. Are you now just destroying it? Yeah. I You've got an extra extra inches in your jump. Yes. You must just be
1: owning it. Absolutely. And that's when it was my sophomore year, like summer uh, summer of the end of my sophomore year, going into junior year, back at that volleyball tournament in Davis, that the, the college coaches were all over me. And we're talking big name schools. You know, I've got... Texas, Texas, Christian, Oregon. Um, and, and I laugh because I wish I would have saved all those letters. <laughs> That's right. The one thing I regret, I you know? know, I wish I would have saved all those letters to really see all the different universities. Cause that, at the time it's so overwhelming, right? You know, you have all these people that want to get in touch with you and you don't even know where to start. And Hawaii was one of them. UC Davis, UC Irvine, like all these big schools. And how was it when you would come home from school
0: and those envelopes would be
1: there? You know, From the mail. it was pretty awesome. It was. And, and I, I remember like every day. Cause your day, face is lighting yeah. up. Like it's still,
0: <laughs> like you're still 16. Yeah. And you're, you know. like,
1: you're waiting for that package, right? right? Every day after school, I would go to the mailbox. Like, Ooh, who's next? You know, who's going right. to send me something next? There's that
0: rice owl or that yes. Texas logo or whatever it would be like that. would right. You know, right. Be special.
1: Yeah. And, and back then, I mean, email wasn't a big thing yet. No,
0: you know, no, that, no, no, no. Not, not for the schools happening. to get to the students yet. Not right. at all. Right. Yeah, no. so
1: it was real big time on the letters and, you know, for them just even introducing themselves and then being able to, to look up those universities. Because even then the, the you know, internet wasn't <laughs> right all it is now. No. And there weren't any virtual tours or things you could see. or Not even you close. You could barely see like a roster, you know, when you went on there. Right. They yeah. didn't have that yet.
0: Not to the extent, like today, it's just ridiculous. You yeah. can find out everything and oh. walk through a locker room <laughs> and look them up and have their brand channels and every, yes. especially, I guarantee, I guarantee back then it was the athletic site website for the whole Texas. It yes. wasn't broken up into every sport having literally their own very large brand. Right. 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 It was Texas University mm-hmm. Athletics. Mm-hmm. Now, Texas volleyball athletics is just, is just this huge thing. So where do you go? When do you start to get like the idea, like "Mm, there's a next level for me?
1: Yeah. So it it goes into that next year, the junior year. And that's when things started to get very real because now the recruits, uh, the, from the universities are now really reaching out, right. And the phone calls and, you know, things like that, trying to get me on board. And and not only that, my club coach at the time too, um, was like, Hey, you need to really look into this. He's like, because he's like, you have the potential to play at a D one school. And I, and then I was just like, okay, like, I know this is what I want next. And so now it's a matter of finding which one is going to be the right fit.
0: You're a good student.
1: I was a very good student.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that's not even on the scenario of yeah. like, oh, yeah. you know, you're not going
1: to go to. Right. Yeah. Good student, terrible test taker. <laughs> <laughs> even the SATs, I had to take it a few times because it just wasn't, you know, I've always been like that. Why do you think that is? Um. I think I may have like anxiety when it comes to testing, you know, and I, and, and not anymore, but when right. I was, well, you're mature. Yeah. And when
0: you're 16, it's, <laughs> you, you,
1: yeah. you eat yourself up growing right into it. Yeah. You freeze and you, and all the girls that I played with, they were like, a plus students, you know, I was a good student. I, right. you know, 3.0, 3.5. That's where I've always kind of, you know, been. But Those
0: SATs on people, I watched somebody throw up like a lung in the trash can yeah. before walking in. Yeah. Like people are, are devastating oh, yeah. themselves. And I'm
1: pretty sure I got like the minimum, like that I needed in order right. to even get into.
0: You should have college. gotten 1500. And you got eight.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You were exactly. Just, yeah. Yeah. Barely got eight. Um, which was just crazy. <laughs> right. But you know? that's, yeah, but it, but it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. even looking at where I'm at, at now, nobody cares what score you got on your SATs. Yeah. Nobody, <laughs> <Yes>. you. <laughs> nobody asks you that anymore. <laughs> Only when <laughs> you're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. But
0: okay. So now, but, but that's a, like you could have said to yourself, I wanted to go to Harvard, but I didn't have, but you do. So you're the student, you're good. So all those blocks are taken off. Yeah. Now it's just you choosing what's right for Sarah. Like, right. What is going to fit you?
1: Yeah. And at the time.
0: The, you know, logistically it could be school, coach, like, do you want to leave the state? Right. right. That L- kind of stuff. Lots of
1: decisions
0: for sure. How do you handle that as a young girl?
1: Um... I, well, one of the things that I had my eye on so was UC Santa Barbara, and because they had a powerhouse program they at did. the time, they that did. Kathy Gregory was a coach, yeah. and they were just—I I remember going and watching their games and being exposed to that university because it was very close to, to home. Beautiful and campus. Beautiful so campus. Always love the drive up there, you know. And I could visualize myself being part of that university. Close your eyes.
0: Would you want to live in Kansas? Or Santa Barbara.
1: Oh, Santa Barbara. As an 18-year-old, yeah.
0: right? <laughs> well, the other one is, I don't understand this either, Pepperdine. Mm, I yeah. don't understand why Pepperdine and Santa Barbara are the greatest in every sport. Right. Because I would much rather, <laughs> and this is nothing against Kansas or Iowa or Iowa State, if you go to Pepperdine, why would you want to leave? Right. Santa Barbara is the same way. It's beautiful. They got a lagoon. They got a beach. Yes. What?
1: Well, a no-brainer. End of story. <laughs> yeah. Montana? <laughs> <laughs> yep, and that's why they recruit the elite, right. you know. To, so that was a beautiful campus. Beautiful and campus. Kathy was rolling up there with that. Kathy yeah, was there, and I was trying to get her attention, you know. Ever since a sophomore, that's kind of when I was like, you know what? I would love to play for UC Santa Barbara. And I remember my uh, my club coach was like okay, that's great, but you also need to keep your eyes open on other opportunities. Because to be honest, at the time, I was kind of like, you know, throwing my nose up to things because I wanted that Santa Barbara experience. I wanted to be part of that team. So my junior year, I went, actually it was sophomore into junior, no, I believe it was junior year. Um, I went to the, the camp that they had, the summer camp. And that was the first time that Kathy really paid attention to me. And, um, you know, cause she had seen me at different club tournaments Mm -hmm. and different things, but you know, never, never had any bites you you could say. And I went to that summer camp, like, and I remember the feeling of being there. And I'm like, this is my opportunity to like show them what I've got. And I was just, I was killing it. I mean, I was hitting from the right side, hitting over these huge six, two, six, three girls right down the line cross court, back court, whatever it was, and I was just, like, they were They were looking at us. And funny, at the time, um, one of the volunteer coaches for Cal State Fullerton, he was actually up there too. And I was just loving it. And and she's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, this would be great if you could be part of our team, you know, kind of led me down that path. I'm thinking, okay, great, you know, she's gonna start the recruiting process. She had called a few times, didn't work out. Um, in the end of it, because she ended up recruiting somebody else for that position. So the heartbreak from that- Was, was that outside hitter? It was outside hitter. Okay. Uh-huh, outside hitter position. And so, in her, she was already full with middle. So in, in high school, I played middle. Um, and even at, uh, in college, I played some middle as well and outside mm-hmm. as, as well too. But I was heartbroken because that was where I really wanted to go. And so I was Do you like,
0: remember the girl they recruited?
1: I remember her face, I don't remember her name.
0: Should have had that put up <laughs> in your locker room.
1: <laughs> well, and that's you know, and as as I started to sort out things and figure out what I wanted next, different places. I think, you know, I was so hell bent on UC Santa Barbara that I really didn't pay attention to other things. And at the time Cal State Fullerton was heavily recruiting me. And my my club coach, I think, had a good relationship with the head coach at the time. And so he started to talk to me about Fullerton. And I was like, Fullerton. I'm like, where is that? Like, <laughs> like Fullerton? I never even heard of it before. You know, my dad's like, "Oh, it's over there by Disneyland." <laughs> the like, oh, crap. Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> the I'm like, too right, Totally. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and then. Now, have you been to Disneyland? I'd, then? Yeah, i had okay. been to Disneyland, but still, like, you know, never. So you knew it was down south. Exactly. Exactly. And for me, I knew that I didn't want to leave the state you know, I wanted to be close really? to home. You didn't want to, I didn't, I, I did You
0: just wanted to be close yeah, to mom and dad. I
1: did. I did. For, for whatever reason, like I wanted to go far enough where I felt like I was away, but close enough where I could go back home. Not I just, a flight. you didn't want to go to no, Virginia tech. No, no, not Virginia. <laughs> did you look back at it now? Do you think you should have? No. Cause I don't have any, any regrets okay. with, with where I ended up. Um, I think like if I had choices now, I think maybe I'd be more open to them, but I think it all comes down to where you feel you are going to be the best fit. Right. Yeah. 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 And even like Hawaii, like I was ready to go on a recruiting trip over to there too so i had so santa barbara was now off the table mm-hmm. cal state Fuller and like a, fullerton like i said was heavily recruiting me um they came for a home visit to my house wow. we also went to fullerton and i did the full full-on experience and i knew the moment i stepped on campus and the moment i met the girls on the team that that was it really And I knew and because, you know, it's usually like an overnighter type thing. Right. And so we had gone. It was in the fall and they were having like a three three day tournament for whatever they were hosting at Cal State Fullerton. So I ended up staying um, overnight with the girls um, and my parents stayed in a hotel Uh and all that kind of stuff. And I just I felt that same sense of community like I had with those high school girls growing up together. Wow, that's nice. I felt the same way with the Fullerton girls as soon as I got there. Who was
0: on that trip? Do you remember some of the girls?
1: Yeah. So, um, Krista, Krista Beberness was there. Um, Kim Levy. Yes. Um, Megan. B. B. Holcomb and uh, Katie. Okay. Yeah, those were some of the some of the classics. I guess right. you can call for all, <laughs> all of us <laughs> Fullerton, but just you know being around the girls and being around the gym and i just i knew it in my gut and i I remember that's a good feeling yeah that's a really
0: good feeling to have like i'm i'm right here
1: yeah and so it wasn't even like the first full day like we had gone that night to go and watch them play and i remember the coaches at the time um mary ellen uh, murchison was a coach at the time and then um, she had turned around to me and Carolyn Zimmerman was there too. And she had turned around and she's like, so when, when, uh, when, when do you want to be part of the team? And I'm like, I'm ready now. And then she turned around and said, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, no, like. I've already made my decision. And then I remember like Carolyn looking over at her and you know, she was, sometimes I get kind of flushed in the face and she's, they're like, wait, what? And they're like, are, don't you, have to yeah. <laughs> are you committing now? And I, I kind of like looked over at my parents and I was like, this is where I want to be. Like this, this is it. This is the team that I want to play for. And I had already like committed, not even not even after the first night <laughs> being uh, being down there. That's beautiful. Yeah. That must have been so refreshing
0: for you just to be like, this is it. I felt
1: relieved, you know, after, after agonizing, you know, all these different places. And like I said, like even University of Hawaii, like they were ready to send me on a, on a recruiting trip out there too. And I remember calling them and telling them I've already made my choice. And then, you know, of course they wanted to know for where. Right. And then they're like, really? Because <laughs> you know? well, Hawaii is a big powerhouse, yes. too. They're, yeah. a national, right. they're a national top 20
0: team. Right. But, and it's Hawaii. You know, everybody right. loves Hawaii. <laughs>
1: right. I mean. Yeah. Well, and, and there's, there's a few things why I also ch- chose Fullerton. Number one, they were in the Big West Conference. Okay, so I know that was a great conference to be in. UC Santa Barbara was also in the conference, so I wanted to prove something to them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Here's something if people don't realize, at that time, especially in the late 90s, Long Beach State, Santa Barbara, and Pacific were not in the top 10, but the top five. Yes. Every
1: effing year. like Every year. Every year. Every year.
0: Right, and Long Beach won it several times. I think Pacific snuck one in, like a championship. They were Awesome teams, battles like destroying. Oh yeah,
1: they had the Olympic athletes on those teams. Right. We we're playing up against the yeah. national teams. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, so yeah, going into the Big West at that point, it was a monster conference. Oh
1: yeah, and, and Fullerton, you know, didn't have a very good record. You know, even for me being recruited, they were one of the bottom teams. Bottom, bottom, bottom.
0: You know, and, I went for my first couple of years. They didn't win games. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
1: and, and so, and I think that's why some was people that, were... Was that still Olympic scoring? Uh, so, going in, my I believe my freshman years when they started okay. the Olympic scoring. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big change, big too. Big change,
0: because I remember when, when I was at Long Beach, they would give double doubles out if the game went under an hour, because sometimes Long Beach yeah. would play, like, Riverside, and yeah. the game would be done in 41 oh, minutes. Man. 41 <laughs> minutes. And no side outs, and boom, 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 done. Thank crazy. you. The longest point was the five minutes in between For, game two and right? three. <laughs> and, like, sometimes Jim Alarro wouldn't take the team into the locker room. They would just stand there waiting. Riverside would be, like, you know,
1: a mess trying to figure
0: out what yeah. to do. They've gotten two points in two games. Yeah, case. Right that's crazy yeah so okay so you go in your freshman year and the scoring's changed
1: yeah scoring has changed and I think at the time we were playing to 30 as well too I think it's 25 now if I'm not yes mistaken yeah, yeah but we we're playing to 30 so that was a whole whole new um adventure and I think also why I felt so at home with Fullerton not number one because of the group of girls but where we were headed, you know, and I'm a, I'm a big visionary, you know, and in, in seeing like what I could do to help that program. Cause I didn't want to go to a powerhouse and just be like, okay, well, you know, here's your ring and trophy, like have it kind of handed to you. Like I wanted to be part of something where I knew I was going to help them grow. Cause that's exactly what I did when I was at Oxnard. Right. We started from the bottom and we worked our way up and that just having that grit, you know, and that determination. And so I saw the same potential with Fullerton and I knew that at some point within my career there that I would be able to help them get them where they needed to go. Right. And so that freshman year, um, I go in. I remember, you know, moving into the dorms, the <laughs> ah, whole, dorm whole experience. Um, and uh, and my first roommate, Vanessa, Vanessa um, uh, we had actually meet each. We met each other at one of our club tournaments. Um couple months before we went down there. The world's so, so small. Yeah. So met her, you know, she was awesome. We lived together in the dorms, the whole freshman year thing. And so we um, had our our conditioning. That was the first wake up call for me <laughs> with our Mike was his name, our our, our trainer. And we were doing um, the strength and conditioning coach? Yeah, Mike.
0: Uh, I know Mike. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And so our summertime conditioning, that was a huge wake up call. I mean, I thought I was in shape, but no way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's the old crappy weight room. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yep. Know, Isaac's
0: got it rolling over there now. Oh, I
1: bet. Well, that whole campus, I yeah. don't even recognize it I now. Know. It's beautiful. It's, <laughs> it so looked like a community college <laughs> when I was going there. Another, one, another yeah, one. Yeah. yeah now yeah. it's full on university. Um, but Did just, you bring the jump soles with you? <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha Mike told me to leave him at home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he had something oh, for you. Oh, man.
1: You know, I ended up throwing those out because there was that research that came about, like, how bad they were for your knees. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, nope, you know what? Those are going to go.
0: <laughs> you had the stadium at that point. You were yes. probably working your ass off. We were doing the tight the...
1: nose. You know, we, I, tight nose. I'm like, what is that? A breakfast cereal? Like, I didn't know what <laughs> Oh, you found out real quick. I huh? found out real quick those tight nose and then doing um, the, you know, 100-yard dashes in the on the soccer field mm-hmm. out there. And then plus this is summertime we're talking, right? So yeah. it's July in Fullerton and we're talking it's 110. You're getting your tan on. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm coming from you know, beach town of Oxnard where in the summertime it's June breeze. gloom. Yes. A little breeze. <laughs> <laughs> Wear a little sweater. Yeah, totally. So this girl's not used to this weather. <laughs> yeah, I'm stripping clothes off like yeah, what totally, i Totally. And I remember just going to those conditioning practices and being so tired afterwards. And that's what we had to do during the summer was condition go play a little bit of volleyball and then go back and you know knock out (laughs) that's what we would do wow did you feel your body changing with that kind of condition i did i did you know like muscles i didn't know i had (laughs) right and because now you got a
0: strength coach who's actually like you know what we're gonna do some deadlifts and you're like whoa 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 yeah I, i i don't
1: know if i could do that right and those double days you know that was my first time ever even hearing about what those were about and those were just you know, something like not only physically, challenging but mentally as well and that was my first taste of the mental side of the game at that level did you take to it i did i did but i you know it was hard but you know of course you even just trying to use the restroom and you're just you could barely yeah, even sit sore. on the toilet because yeah. you're so tired I just stand sore yes. <laughs> i'll find a way yeah yeah but that the mental side of it you know prepping yourself you had that first morning three-hour practice and maybe you had conditioning or you had conditioning in between um, and then preparing yourself for another three hour in the afternoon, you know, that oh, really this is
0: pre-gastrodome. So you don't even have the... The eating area yet. Oh no, we're on our own. (laughs) I forgot. No, we
1: had, you know what we had? What what was across the street?
0: Yeah, but it wasn't
1: like the, you know what I'm talking about right now. That place is a a facility
0: Mm -hmm. for the dorm life. Every athlete and everybody living, it it just devours that place. Yeah,
1: no, we we didn't have that. We had uh, Del Taco, Taco Bell, all that kind of stuff. All that good food. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Pepe's, I think. Oh, oh, yes, Pepe's. (laughs) (laughs) Your face (laughs) lights up like you've eaten there many a time. Many times. <laughs> if you're a Titan, you know exactly where Pep is. Yeah, yeah. in and out, right there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure.
0: So that first year, did you take to a different kind of volleyball?
1: Yeah, it was, you know, it was fun. When I first came in and we were doing the summer, um, summer just playing for fun. It was great. And then we got into the double days and then regular season, Um, things were going great and then I was competing I was competing against a couple of seniors actually for starting positions and so of course I'm gonna go after everything do everything I can to get some playing time and I think we played at like one preseason tournament and I had gotten some time in because at the time uh, Megan had sprained her ankle during one of the games. And I remember that was like the first time I got called up, like to go out on the court. And I was like, it's my opportunity and-
0: Walk me through that. What was like (laughs) your first, you know, there's one thing practicing on the court, but now you've got a uniform on Mm -hmm. and you're gonna step onto the court for your first D1 volleyball match. What was that like?
1: It was intimidating. Um, were you old, at home or away? We were away. Okay, yeah, where? I, at Reno. Okay, yeah, Reno the Nevada. Big water arena? I think it was a small, the smaller okay. gym at the time because it was a tournament that was going on. Okay, that's when Megan was hurt, and so and, and it wasn't expected. Like I didn't think I was going to be playing that game or anything like that.
0: Were you mentally?
1: Mentally, I was there. I was. And I had a great experience. I did. I went in um, and I went back to serve. And I remember the assistant coach at the time was giving me the signal of where to serve on the court. And I looked. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, sure. What did he tell you? I believe it was Area 5. And you? (laughs) Just got the ball in. (laughs) Over the net, That's over all the-, the net. That's you know, and so and and I went back and I served and great, and I went back and I served great, and then the other team had called a timeout, and I remember we had gone back and and Anthony was the name. He came over to me and Anthony's like, he's like did you see the signal? I said, yeah, I saw the signal. He's like, you do know what area that is, right? And I said, yes, I do. And I said, I'm just trying to get the ball in. Like, <laughs> but something between
0: my head and my arm and my totally, hand don't register to- five. Totally,
1: totally. So went back out, served again, and I think um, we got the side out because the other team had uh, had laid down a kill. But um, I remember going up to the front, and I think that's when it finally hit me when I was playing front row. Now like, you are the net. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Like this can, is real. Yeah. You could smell yes. the other
0: girl. Like yeah. right there. And it
1: was I wouldn't say it was an outer body experience, but I think I did realize at the time, like, wow, like I've made like I'm here now. Like I'm playing D one against all these other girls. Who's like the team. I should remember this, but I don't.
0: It's gotta be in the biopic.
1: <laughs> We can't just make up some fake school. I know. I really don't Forrester remember. Forrester University. Yeah. We got to know. I know. I really don't know All what right, university we're have to look it was. This up. We'll look it up. Damn and it. See what it was. a lousy well, podcast I, I should have this research. <laughs> Come first on, game. Yeah. <laughs> and I, remember, I got the jump soles
0: in. That's yeah. what everybody hey, wants to know. Everybody
1: wanted to hear about <laughs> the
0: jump soles. <laughs> so was it a
1: decent first year for you? It was. Um, up until the point of, I think it was a week after that, I blew out my knee. You blew out the knee blew out the knee so that's what is it with these
0: freshmen blowing out knees right
1: so i was we were at practice and i was going back it was um it wasn't a slide but it was a right side set and so it was a sweet set let me tell you it was one that was like money like right at the net i knew i was just going to kill the ball and i did and i bam whacked the ball i came down because i was so close to the net on my right foot and my knee buckled from underneath me. Goes outside, and it goes outside, and I go down. And when did I'm, you hear a pop? I heard a pop. I felt a pop, and I felt the pain.
0: Nothing like that before.
1: Never. And I had, like, my senior year in club, I started to develop a little bit of tendonitis in the knee. So even at Fullerton, they were, like, starting to tape it that and stuff like to that. the
0: jump sole, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Right? Again. Man, now in you're the, making me yeah, second guess in those the jump soles. the class action lawsuit, I don't know why you're not thinking
0: of this. I should have applied for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You didn't see that on TV no. after
1: hours? Oh, my God. If you've ever used these yeah. shoes...
0: <laughs> Please call Anthony the attorney. Yeah, right. Yeah. God. So yeah. Sore I, knees, diarrhea, and liver <laughs> spots. <yeah. laughs> That's me.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've got the one yeah. of them. Oh, oh God. God.
0: So the bad knee. Bad,
1: yeah, on the bad knee, I'm on the ground. And um, you know, we obviously stopped. We were scrimmaging each other. That's nice. Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> stop for it. Drag the pressure yeah, right, out. her off. <laughs> She's and, fine. <laughs> and I'm holding my knee and I thought it was dislocated. Like I didn't know, like I'd never felt any pain like that. The trainers had come over. I, to be honest, I didn't even want anybody to touch my knee because I was course. trying to, like, figure out what was going on at first. And then I realized I still could move my knee. And so they picked me up off the court. And at the time, we had, like, this um, homemade box <laughs> with carpet around it. Those were what we used for, like, I the drills. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they <sighs> laid me on that. State school. <laughs> <laughs> state, up-and-coming uh, state school. Yeah, yeah. right.
0: <laughs> and at the Pac-10, they actually had velvet it was a velvet box. I'm Bob. sure was, they did. Yeah.
1: Probably in Pepperdine as yeah. well, right?
0: Pepperdine <laughs> actually had people stand and they jumped on their yes, back and they yeah, did it. on yeah. that.
1: Oh, man. So, um, you know, I'm laying there and, and the trainer comes over. And I think Julie Max was there at the time, mm-hmm. too. They ran mm-hmm. and got her from the training room. And they put ice on it immediately because they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And so... You Control know, the know, of course, you know, I'm crying and I, 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 don't know what's, what's happening, but all I know I'm done. It hurts like yeah. a son of a bitch. Yeah. I knew, I knew at that point I was done. And so they get me over to the training room. I'm hobbling over there. And then one of the other trainers, um, they put me up on the table and then they br- uh, take my knee and there's like a way that they can test, mm-hmm. you know, to see if your ligaments are still there. And so they grab my, my good leg, my left one and they did the test, and then they grabbed my right, and you could just see, like, as soon as they did the test, like, it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't even know what an ACL, LCL, MCL, PCL, like, I didn't know any of this stuff. I thought it was a knee. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, exactly, and, and I'm like, so it's not dislocated, and they're like, no. Why were you so worried about the dislocated
0: part, and not the terms of ligaments yeah I don't know was that just scary yeah, I think it was just Did you I ever was dislocate
1: just, fingers no I'd never dislocated anything so what's the fear
0: of dislocation in your mind that that's the end all be all probably
1: because I thought they're gonna have to pop it back in place oh <laughs> and I've seen other people you know with that have, right had shoulder happen. the hand the knee yeah, yeah. exactly it sounds
0: ugly that just yeah big pop
1: yeah so um, they're like, okay, well, it, we think it's your, your, one of your ligaments. We don't know if it's your ACL or your MCL, whatever it is, but we're going to send you to the doctor. So at that point, um, <laughs> I'm on crutches now, so I'm going to the coach's office because now we have to call my parents. Oh yeah, we got to call mom and dad. This is pre-smartphone, right? A cell phone. Did you yeah. have a cell phone at that point? I did. I did. Okay. I had a cell phone, but of course it was in the locker room. Sure. And so we went to um, the head coach's office and we sat down and then they dialed and they're like, okay, there you go. And I'm like, all right. And then my mom's like, what happened? You know, cause she already knew like if the coaches are calling, you know, what's going on. Right. And I'm like, my baby, I yeah. just, you've only been to school yeah. for four months yeah. and, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no I'm not okay like and she's like do we need to come right now I'm like no like I hurt my knee you know and then right away like my mom started to cry like on the phone and then my baby yeah of course and my dad you know was on the phone too and I told him you know what happened you know how that I had a sweet sweet kill (laughs) before I went down (laughs) But, Your dad's like, yes, yes, great. yes, good job. Yeah, but it was so early in the season, you know, and, and now yeah, I what, finally... Late August, early September? Yeah, early September. And I finally had that opportunity to play, you know, unfortunately, because Megan was hurt at All the right. time. She was recovering from a sprained ankle.
0: I just remember I hadn't had photos of you yet. Yeah. Because, you know, I have a checklist and it's like, right. oh, new kid. What? What? What do you
1: mean he she's <laughs> on crutches? <laughs> Jesus. Christ. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I went to the doctor, um, and right away, you know, they, they knew, yeah, he knew it was he gone. Giggles. So they gave me this huge brace, like one of those, I mean, you know, this is back in the day, they, they have all kinds of advanced technology now, but this is one of those straight braces. Ones? Yes. Yeah. Where you can't even bend your leg. Right.
0: The baby blue interior.
1: Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. All of that. And so I'm on crutches for a few weeks, um, until it starts to heal a little bit
0: healer. They want the swelling to come down that
1: too. So it was, um, it was also the MCL. So the MCL heals on its own, Okay, but the ACL was going to require surgery. So they wanted swelling to go down, um, before doing surgery. And so it was all the timing with that and getting all that organized. So to make a long story short, I didn't, um, have a surgery until November. Okay. So a couple months. Um, but I did pool workouts. I did all these other things that I could do to kind of help myself. And it's funny because I have, um, I do have a picture of me underwater um, when I was doing the training and stuff like that. And you can see like my quad muscle just totally deteriorated from that. And that was like, oh my God, like I'm going to have to get that strength back right. in my leg again. And you're
0: young. So can you imagine when that yeah. happens to you when you're older? Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was I just read this.
0: I know, I just read this, but I'll be 50 in a couple months that after 40, it was some weird number, but after 40, a man loses 1% of his muscle mass uh, every year. Oh, wow. But if he works out, like I work out, like I have young boys, so I'm working out with them all the time. If you work out like five times a week, weight training, and a man after 50 takes one week off, it's equivalent of a 20 year old taking six weeks off. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how quickly as you get yeah. older, your muscles
1: are like, okay, we'll see right. you. Right. So you're a young, yeah. vibrant
0: 18 year old girl. And the yeah. quad goes, Whoop, yeah. see ya
1: young and first injury first, like big injury, like I never, never had an injury like that before. So that, and that was tough. You know, I, I remember like being with my, um, you know, some of my teammates and they were so supportive, like, and that's why I'm talking about. Like why I went to that team, Mm -hmm. like they, if I, if I didn't have them, I don't know if I would have come out of that again and back on the court. How did school work?
0: Did it suffer or did you okay?
1: I did okay. Yeah, I was still fine. That's um, the
0: mental side of like yeah. still having to go to school because there's another side right. of you. You're still
1: a student athlete. Right.
0: So you got to get to school and do your work. Exactly. And, and Zoom didn't exist. You had to get your ass yes. to a class.
1: Yes, crutches and all. And right. That, that was the best part is that I had handicapped parking at Cal State Fullerton. But you're living in the dorm. <laughs> yeah, but you could still get closer (laughs) we used to be able to park in the 30 minute parking in front of the gym that was golden
0: (laughs) and parking was actually closer because that was before the student union
1: yes yes yeah and so and because i was (laughs) and because i was upside i got (laughs) handicap parking (laughs) hey Um, i was i was the go-to person for the team because everybody knew i had the handicap placard we gotta take sarah with us (laughs) just park well, and because I was, you know, quote unquote, handicapped, um, two of my teammates at the time, I actually left the dorms and went and lived with them for a little while, just so that they could help me, you know? And, really? Yes, I did. I did. Did you feel that disabled? No, but I think just, I don't know, like, you know, dorms are dorms. Right. They are. <laughs> and, and... I know the dorms are different now because then it was like, there were like six people Uh in the, in the place. It was just too much for me with my knee and everything and having to focus on me. And then plus roommate issues, you know, I was like, let me just go and live with a couple of the girls for a little while. And so I did. And that, that was a big bonus to them. Of course, with the handicap parking, you know, we got front row parking and, uh, we're able to, to get to practice in class in a timely manner.
0: Now, do you have your mindset on majors at this point? Did you go into Fullerton going, I want to be a major of?
1: Yeah, so I did. I went in um, knowing that I wanted to be kinesiology major. I wanted to be a physical therapist or be an athletic trainer. And so being around <laughs> that training room, especially after being injured, because I was in there all the time. I was a frequent flyer, you know, getting, you know, the ice I needed, getting the treatment, all that kind of stuff. And I was looking around and I, you know, just saw the trainers around feet and everything. And I was like, this is so not for me. <laughs> so, so why did you think it was? where did you see the appeal? Because I, I wanted to be around sports, but I didn't really know like what I wanted. I could have been an equipment <laughs> manager. <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, but they didn't pay much. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to do a fee. This is true. This is true. Yeah, and I, and, and I also had thought at one point, especially being around my aunt, being the PE teacher, okay, okay maybe I would get into something like that. But okay. I knew I wanted to major in something having to do with sports. And so I defaulted to that. And having that experience that first year and then also having to focus on academics, I was just like... I don't know if I want to do kinesiology. Let me go back to something. And I see now what I was comfortable with because my dad was an educator. My aunt was also an educator. I'd always been around school. And I'd always you know, been exposed to what the classroom was like, the school environment. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I want to be a teacher. And that's what kind of started that. And I also had roommates that were getting into the same kind of thing. So I think I was- Child development. Yeah, I was kind of influenced by that and defaulting to something that was comfortable for me. That's interesting that the injury
0: opened up the door for you to see that it wasn't for you. Yeah. What happens if Sarah doesn't get injured? You're dealing yeah. with taping ankles and, <laughs> you know,
1: rotators. Yeah. yeah. And, and who knows? Popping fingers back yeah, into exactly. place. Exactly. Right? It might not have been unappealing to right. you. Right. Yeah. And that could have been a whole nother route.
0: So that sweet set actually made you become a teacher
1: yep. <laughs> Blame it on that sweet set <laughs> yeah. so
0: I mean so then you just change you're like that's it I'm flipping
1: yeah I flipped and it was it was the next year so I had redshirted that season um, I came back in the spring um, of 2002 and it was hard it was hard to come back I was back within five months of surgery. And I remember not feeling like myself anymore, not having that same crazy vertical that I was recruited for. Did
0: you feel like it was it was taken? I
1: felt like it was taken, and not that I wouldn't be able to get it back, but there was so much like pain with the knee, even though like I was cleared to be back, like everything was fine. Like I still had, and even to this day, like if I touch my knee on the side, like. I don't have some feeling because of nerves, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that they had to do when, when they went in there. But um, I just didn't ever feel the same. Even by the time I was a senior, I still never felt that same rhythm. That I had going into Fullerton, right? Yeah, that
0: athleticism that you were kind of pulled yeah, from. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then and because I had the physical aspect pull pulled away from me, the mental game became so much harder too. Because now Didn't it wear on you. It did. It did. I str- I, I struggled tr- tremendously.
0: Can we say depression in a bit? Like it kind of felt like you weren't whole.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I think it's probably like mild depression. You know, and knowing that I came to Fullerton to you know make the program better, and now I've had this fallback, this setback, and now I'm struggling mentally with like even having that confidence in myself again.
0: It's funny how I can see it sometimes with the athlete where they're supposed to be this person, they come in, an injury happens, mm-hmm. and they go from being this good to losing 30% and they only get 12% back. Yeah. That 18% is the difference. Right. That it, next level difference.
1: And then I, you know, and then you also wonder, what if I didn't get hurt? Right. Right. Like where, where would I be in, in every practice? My game every now. time
0: you're alone. Yeah. You know, yeah. every time you're washing up, you touch the side of that knee and you're yes. like, oh, God damn. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that was you did know, it. You feel
0: like you failed yourself or the knee failed you or you did not know how to cope with the failure of the injury?
1: I think I didn't know how to cope with it, you know? And I, I, I had a good support system. It's not that I didn't. Right, but, but it's still yeah. on you. Right, yeah. So many
0: people could tell you so much, like, Sarah, you're fine, you're right. great, we love you.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't until we started working with Ken Revisa. That's what I was gonna say. That things started to change. How much yeah. time did
0: you spend with Ken?
1: Oh man, Ken! I was a frequent flyer <laughs> in his office. I would give up my
0: left hand to have him on this podcast oh, if I could.
1: I know. He is just, the impact that he's had on my life, and I know, you know, the athletes that he's worked with is just, it's tremendous. Like, I, I don't feel like I would be where I am today had I not worked with him. And I'm saying that not as an athlete, I'm saying that as a person. Like, really? I'm a better person because Ken was in my life. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So he really did help you out there. He
1: did. He did, you know, getting back on. And uh, it's funny, you know, I had uh, one of my teammates on (laughs) my podcast, Carly, um, and we were talking about this in 2002. That's when we were starting to, you know, pick up the pieces from that crazy year, like for me. And then going into the fall, we were a young team. We had lost our seniors and juniors, and it was a building year for us. And the fall of 2002 was the hardest year, but it was my favorite year. Interesting. Yeah, and the reason for that is because no matter what, we came back into the gym every single day with that vision, with our mission in mind of what we wanted to do, how we wanted to improve, but we got our asses handed to us every single game. That was before a couple of years ago, we had the, the worst <laughs> winning record um, in Fullerton history that year, 2002, it was tough. And I'm sure, you know, you were there Uh photographing it. It was, it was tough. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) And that was the year that Ken worked with us and he would come back to the locker room, um, you know, even for games and, and just talk about the process and even at practice too, like how we just, you know, you focus on one point at a time and, even for us having like a a crappy day, like him saying like, have a good shitty day, you know, make the most out of it, leave your stuff at the door, at the gym. And when you're in practice, be here present in the moment. Like those are life skills. You know, even now in my life, like I'm going back to those things, you know, days that are hard, I'm leaving it at the door and focusing on my job of what I have to do.
0: Right, you'll deal with that at another time. Yeah. Got to be right here right now.
1: Exactly. And, and he really gave us the light about having a routine, you know, and how important that is that you have a ritual, even if you're going to go back and serve a ball, like you have the same bounce, you have the same focal point that you look at every single time because that consistency is what gives us the results in the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It pays off. So
0: it helped immensely
1: immensely, immensely. And so he worked with us for the next couple of years. And, and besides that, he's just a funny guy, man. Like, <laughs> great. And he told it like it was. Oh yeah. You know? oh,
0: sugar yeah. Was no sugar with Ken. He will tell you, yeah. you guys suck. Yeah,
1: totally. Get it together. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You talk about your sphinctal crane, your tendon, you yeah. know that <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. the time. He tell you, pull your head out of your ass, yeah. you know, and get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah, <laughs> I,
0: loved oh, I love Ken. I love him, was great. too.
1: Yeah, I miss that guy. And, yeah, he would he would have loved your podcast, man. Oh, my God. You we know. used to
0: spend so much time together. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cool. We used to chat, and especially if we'd, if we'd go to Omaha and he was with the team. And oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I'd try to sit for him for two hours on a plane and oh, man. talk about whatever. <laughs>
1: if only had your podcasting stuff for the plane, oh then. Oh, my huh? God.
0: <laughs> yeah. Jesus, have it yeah. be illegal. <laughs> Cause he didn't pull, <laughs> yeah. he didn't pull bunches. He let you know. Yeah. He'd yeah. flat out say, Oh yeah. God, yeah. this no. guy's a mess. Yeah. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> he'd straighten people out. Yeah. Oh my God. He'd straighten people out. Yeah,
1: he would. And I, and I think he had, he had an impact on like where the program went for Fullerton, you know? So, so that year was tough, mm-hmm. you know, my, my redshirt freshman year. Um, and then the second year, then by the third year, we kind of picked up some momentum. We were winning a little bit more, mm-hmm. and then so I played five seasons all together. Right. So I'll count them by the numbers <laughs> so you guys don't get confused. So by the fourth year, we're picking up even more momentum, and now we're starting to get some good recruits, which is what we needed. Right. <laughs> you know, when you're when you're one of the last place teams in the conference, you need you're not bodies. getting top. No. top notch recruits. So I remember even the coaching staff, like, you know, pulling me in. Cause I, my junior and senior year, I was captain um, for both the teams and they brought us in and um, we're talking with us, the captains about like, we really need to start recruiting, like, you know, th- these types of players, and so I'm like, okay, well, we had a good thing going with our team because we were all so dedicated to one another. Um, even even that hard season, right? Like we just came back again and again and again for each other and for the bigger purpose of it. And And even for competing against one another who was going to have the starting position, but knowing at the end of the day, the person who needed to be the starter was going to start. And there wasn't like so much animosity that's what was so different about our team
0: that's nice yeah that's real nice because a lot of times it can go ugly especially with girls
1: oh yeah (laughs) guys guys will
0: just punch it out girls will drag it on for months give each other eating disorders
1: and they won't talk about it you know right that's the thing we're fine really (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's not her name (laughs) yeah yeah so by by my senior year We had a really good recruiting class Good. that was going to come in. And um, when I finished, we were, so when I began, we were bottom conference. When I finished, we were mid conference.
0: And that's a big jump in the big West. That's a
1: big jump. That's, that's a lot of work, you know, we put in, in the time and effort. And did, did, you know, I get the Cinderella story of, you know, the Cal State Fullerton team that I wanted? No, but I think. You know, not looking at the winning record, because that doesn't matter to me, the experience that we had and what we grew as a team, and especially that year, that 2002 year, I think we all grew so much as individuals because of what we went through and have now applied that to our real lives afterwards.
0: Right. I mean, you guys had no choice. It was a beating. Yeah. Every game.
1: Every game. Yeah. And, And now in life, you know, when setbacks happen, I'm like... I've been here before. I know what it feels like to have your back up against the wall, essentially, right? right? right. And, you know, figure out a way out.
0: Yeah. You know? So when you leave, you, you know, when you get your degree in child development, right? Are you thinking, okay, next step?
1: Yeah. So next step, I wasn't really like, I knew I was going to get that degree in the end. Right. Right. And I, I did want to stay in Orange County, but let's be honest, it's too, too expensive. Oh yeah. (laughs) There's no way. And remember I was recruited with that class, everybody was gone already. Right, you know, you're, they're you're yeah. they're you gone. Yeah, so they're one of them's off plan in Europe. Other ones have moved home. They're going to grad school. So I'm, you know, still at Fullerton. And then by the time I'm getting ready to graduate, it's like, well, I, I guess I'll move back home because I know I knew I needed to go to the teaching credential program in order to even be a teacher. Right. And so because I was that fifth year senior, I finished the fall season, spring season, I go in and. Um, just helping out if I wanted to, but I'm taking fun classes, you know, things I want to take a couple major classes and I'm partying, you know, because that's, that's what you do. (laughs) And so I wasn't really focused as much as I should have been. And this was the first time that actually the first semester that the Cal state system had initiated the plus and minus for grades. Oh Oh, wow. So they had Yeah, they hadn't done that. So it was always a solid grade to either get A, B, C, whatever it is. And now it's like you can get an A minus, you know, a B minus, whatever it is. And so one of my major courses, I ended up getting a C minus. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Whoopsies. So that C minus is equivalent to a D. And okay, didn't think anything of it because it's a C minus, right? I didn't know at the time that it was equivalent to a D. So mind you, I have my academic counselor, I have my athletic counselor, and then of course me, who's into partying and doing everything else and not you know, worrying as much about grades, okay, great. I, we're getting ready for graduation, I'm already like packing up my stuff, getting ready to move back home. Went through the whole celebration, the pomp and circumstance, moved all my stuff back home, had this big huge party with all my friends, family. It was it was great. And a couple weeks later, I'm expecting my transcript to come in the mail. And you know, it kind of reminds me of the days that when I was home going to the mailbox, when's this you know transcript coming? Because I'm all excited. And so I open up the mailbox. And I open up this letter, and I remember it was yellow. It was like bright yellow, the paper. And probably because it was like a triplicate or something. <laughs> and, I, and I open this letter, and it says, we're sorry to inform you, but your degree has not been conferred. You, ha- you have not graduated, and you have to make up the class that you got a C minus in. And I just stopped in my tracks. Like, I didn't even wanna go back to the house. I, and I, I read it again, and I, I just started crying. <laughs> I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, I've moved back home, I'm ready to go to the credential program, I put in five years at Fullerton, all the stuff I've gone through, and I have a high school diploma. Like, that's all I have at the moment. I don't even have a college degree.
0: Wow. What a punch in the face. Not even the gut, right in the face.
1: Just reality, you know, setting in. And so I'm an adult. Yeah.
0: In an adult world and they don't care.
1: And nobody cares, you know, and and I left, you know, I left Fullerton, like, you know, things were fine. Sure, I left, everything was great. You know, the, the program, everything was wonderful. They put my Jersey in a frame, you know, thank you very much Mm -hmm. for your service on your way. But nobody really talked about life after sports either. We weren't having those conversations. No. And so to go home and then to get that slap in the face, I was like, oh God, what, what am I going to do now? So I go home and I- What sharp. am I going to tell these
0: people that I'm living with? Right, Mom and yeah, Dad. the people,
1: exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going home and I walk in and my mom's like, what's the matter? Right,
0: <laughs> obviously it looks like you just blew out your knee again.
1: <laughs> and I walk in and I'm like, read this. And then they're like, what happened? And I'm like- I got a C minus, and they're like, "Okay, like you know, not a, not a big deal." And I'm just like, "I got a C minus. I didn't graduate." And they're like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Read the letter." So they read the letter again, again. The sp- yeah, the second papers being yeah, read yeah, the, more the second than the Bible. time. The second time, and then they're like, "Okay, well." We're gonna call we're gonna call down there you know and you know my dad you know being the educator and stuff he's like no we're gonna handle this this is not right (laughs) so so i don't even know who we call i don't know if we you know because i probably blocked all this out of my mind i don't know if we called the coaches or if we had called just the university or whatnot but we ended up getting uh, an appointment with the dean of uh, of the college from, you know, the educational side. So they had agreed to meet with us. And so I went down there and spoke with her and she's like, well, you can just take a summer course here. And I'm like, lady, you don't understand. Like, I've already moved my whole life, you know, home. There's nobody here at Fullerton. And then. What do you mean, like, this doesn't count? She's like, no, with the new requirements, you know, this is not considered a passing grade to meet the graduation requirements for your degree. And so the options were to sign up for the summer program at Fullerton, and, which I could have done. I really, like, thinking of it even now, like, I totally could have done that, like, just, you know, sucked it up and lived in Fullerton and, and done it. But I think I was so ashamed. Sure. And I didn't want to come back and, like, you know, all all the girls I had played with that were still on the team, like, what is she still doing here? Yeah. Like, why is she Six still She's your yeah. senior, huh? Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's Animal House for you. All <laughs> totally. of a sudden, I'm moving into the dorms. <laughs>
1: totally. Yeah, like she's back. You know, I could have been, been a resident advisor or something at that More point. More than that,
0: you could have been part <laughs> <laughs> owner, Francie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that base is closing, and yeah, they're helping right? up there. They're helping up new places. <laughs> yeah. And-, <laughs> and you know, I just I didn't want to do that. I just. And maybe it was my pride at the time or whatever it was, but I just didn't want to do that. So I'm like, okay, what are the other options there? And I told him, I'm like, I literally live in Ventura County now. Like, I'm not going to commute. You know, that was the other option. I could commute the two hours, you know, in traffic, whatever it was to come and take the courses. And as you know, the summer ones, it's like every day. Yeah. So that, that was off the table. And they're like, okay, well, what's the local university that's next to you? I'm like, okay, Cal State Channel Islands. And they're like, all right, we'll see what we can work out with them. So what they ended up doing was making like an independent study program for me. I basically worked with this like psychology professor for a whole semester. I did his research for him. (laughs) And in turn, I got the the credit, what I needed. You know, I put in the time or whatnot. But what was I going to do just besides that, right? I moved home with mom and dad. I'm not going to just live off of like my graduation present money. Like I needed income, right? Cause right. I'm not just going to like mooch off my parents.
0: And, and you've not yet taken this teacher certificate.
1: No. And I couldn't right. because I You're didn't have graduated. my bachelor's degree. right? So all those plans were postponed. Like I was literally going to start the fall of that year and go into the credential program, work on my master's. All that came Talk to Talk about things getting backed up. Yeah. And I couldn't even sub either because no, I didn't have again, a bachelor's degree. You're just a high school graduate. <laughs> right. So I had always had these aspirations to, for a hobby. I was always with the roommates. I was the one that was the mixologist making drinks <laughs> for us. So I said, you know what, I've always wanted to try bartending <laughs> and, and you can ask my mom, she'll never forget this story either. I was at home. She was at the pool with my, my niece and nephew. Um, and we're in that small community that we lived in, Mm -hmm. a gated community. And so there's this pool and I remember just sitting there and I was like, God, what am I going to do? And I had driven around town and there was one of those like little, um, like yard signs, like what we see now that said, you know, bartending school on it. And it had a number and it said, you know, make like, you know, three to $500 per shift. I was like, huh, let me see. So I got the number and I gave them a call. And they said, oh, yeah, we have, you know, courses. I was like, OK, well, how long are the courses? She's like, oh, it just depends on how quickly you can memorize the recipes. It's either one week or two weeks. You know, it's like, OK, sure, why not? <laughs> so and I asked her how much how much was the course? And she's like, oh, five hundred dollars. I was like, OK, well, perfect. I have about five hundred dollars from the presents I received for graduation. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I I got up from the couch, and I went, and I walked over to the pool, and I told my mom, I'm like, Mom, I'm leaving, and I'm going to bartending school. <laughs> and she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go get my bartending certificate. And she's like, okay. And she saw, like, she'll even tell you to this day, she saw that determination on my face, like I was going to do something. <laughs> and finally get some kind of degree, right? And so... <laughs> So
0: here- oh, it's not like you told her I was going to climb Mount Whitney. You're like, I'm going to bartending school. I just saw a cocktail with Tom Cruise, and ah, it's going to be me.
1: And I'm sure that's what every parent has envisioned for their child to come back and say, like, right. I'm going to bartending school. So I just spent five years at Cal State Fullerton, yeah. and now I'm a bartender. <laughs> That $500 degree, right? That you end up getting. Oh my God. So I went, um, it was this little hole in the wall place. And, um, if you've never heard of like a bartending school, they have, it's basically they use water, colored water to like makes, make all the different drinks or whatnot. So I got the book and I got, you know, the resources I needed. It was basically, I had to memorize like 200 recipes. And I was so determined. I went to the morning session and the night session each day, because there's like, I think there were like 10 classes you had to take all together. So I crammed it all in that first week. And by the next weekend, I went and I took my test, and I passed with flying colors, like like nothing you'd ever seen. It's e- and that could either be a good or a bad reason, right? I don't know. I don't know. Next week you're working at the Ramada Inn doing cocktails for a bar mitzvah. Yeah, just about. So, um, and then part of the school is like they would get you connected with, you know, people that they knew within the community. So they gave me a couple of leads. Some of them were like sleazy little hole in the walls, you know, dive bars. they need a bartender. Yeah, but I wasn't going to go there. I was like, you know what, I have a little bit more pride than that to start off with. So... Um, they gave me a lead to a local hotel, and I had even as a little girl, I used to play like waitress and stuff like that. And I was like, "All right, why not? Let me let me go try it." And so I went for an interview and talked to the manager, and we talked for a while, and he is just like, "Yeah, he's like, I'm ready for you to like, you could start tomorrow." And I'm like, "Sweet." So, so I, you know, I go home and I tell my parents, I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. Like, I got something lined up for tomorrow. And they're like, where's it at? And so it's a hotel by us. And it's like a well-known restaurant that's over there. It's called Alexander's. It's like, one of those that's been around the community for like a long time. And they used to have like on the weekends, like nightclub, like dancing, like, you know, high-end kind right. of stuff. And so my parents are like, oh, this is great. You know, at least you're like getting the ball moving on you that. You got a job. You got a job.
0: I, a job. They, I mean, that's
1: what, yeah. in the end, they just exactly. want you to work. Exactly, exactly. So, Um, within a month and a half to two months, they were ready to make me the supervisor (laughs) because they saw my work ethic (laughs) and, um, you know, it was, it was a great experience. It was humbling for me. Number one, you know, because it was a huge reality check. All my other friends were into getting real jobs, going to school or, you know, figuring out their life. I, at the moment was paused, um, until I could get that course completed and it allowed me to focus on me for a change and I think even to this day that job has prepared me to be the principal that I am today really yes (laughs)
0: Is, is when you go into the cafeteria, you're yeah, making yeah, yeah, no,
1: not making drinks in the cafeteria.
0: Jimmy wants a little scotch, yeah, right. and Sarah likes her martini. And, yeah. yeah,
1: no, but um, it's a very quiet class. We're very all alcoholics, quiet, but very it's quiet. But the the people skills are what really taught me what I needed to know, being a manager and just how, how to deal with people. Because You're managing people. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're third grade or no. they're 40. No, and it's, it's the same thing as if you, you know, you take the toy away from the kindergartner when you tell the adult, they can't have another drink. It's the same response <laughs> so, by
0: screaming and yes, hollering.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. But <laughs> that ended up being, you know, such a great job for me. And I kept that job actually for 10 years.
0: All the way through like Laverne, I had it down here, you had Laverne and the what was the other, Cal, Cal Lutheran? Yes, yes. I kept it all the way up until... Was it that good of a
1: moneymaker? <laughs> and, and, but, but also allowed you the flexibility. It did, it did. Well, what, so when I finally, so, all right, I went and I got this job, I finished that course I needed to, then I finally applied for the teaching credential program. Finished that, got my degree, got my master's degree, and my credential at the same time. Then the recession happened. Right, two thousand eight. Oh, no teaching jobs. No anywhere. They
0: were dropping teachers. Nothing like,
1: like left and right dropping teachers. I was like, great. I've done all this, you know, had all these setbacks, and then I was like. I heard athletic trainers
0: though were hiring like wildfire. <laughs> <laughs>
1: See, it was, it was all for that sweet set. <laughs> oh my
0: god! Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah it
1: happens. Who yeah. knew? No, nobody knew that was gonna happen, you know. And then, and I was hard on myself too because I was like, damn, if I would have just did what I needed to do in college and been on the on the path, I would have made it into education before that would have happened.
0: So you were allowing that to beat you up again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was. I was. So, and then. So what do you do? Yeah, what did I do at the time? You know, it was. It's 08. It's 08. I'm still continuing to bartend. And then. um, But you've,
0: but at this point,
1: you've gotten your master's? I've got my master's and I had finished my degree, like both of them. So now I can sub.
0: Now, why did you think I need to get my master's?
1: Well, because I was you know, kind of influenced and told, you know, when you start a teaching position, you get higher up on the pay scale to begin with. Obviously. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So that's one of the things I wanted to do. And then plus like doing the credential program, it's only like, like two or three more classes to get your master's from there. Okay. So, yeah. But then
0: doctorate, like what
1: was that
0: <laughs> thought? Oh Did man. Did you really want to start off right at the highest no, number? Or? No.
1: And, and in fact, I remember even talking with my dad, like- when I was done with Fullerton, like I, I'm like, I don't need a master's degree. I'm like, I got my bachelor's degree. She's like, no, like you need to have your master's degree. I'm like, okay. And then after I got my master's degree and I finally got into teaching, so I finally, in 2011, um, after being like a part-time teacher, sub, like all kinds of things, that's why I kept the bartending job for so long because I was afraid that I was going to get laid off and have something to fall back on. So I was literally teaching during the day, subbing during the day. And then right from subbing, I remember I'd have my change of clothes in the car so that when I got to the hotel, I would change. And then from four o'clock until 10, 11 o'clock at night, I was bartending. Wow. Yeah.
0: You were putting in some hours, young lady. I was putting
1: in some hours, you know, working super hard. And, And so that went on for a while until I finally got my own teaching job in 2011. That's when I first had my own classroom. From the moment that I was a teacher, I knew I was meant for more. And I knew that I was not going to be in that classroom for very long because I wanted to make an impact at an even higher level. Wow. Than just the, the 30, 35 kids in the classroom. Right. Yeah. It was just, it was like a feeling that came over me. What like was I, your first grade? Sixth grade. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah, talk about. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) Hey, but at the time, you took whatever. You take what you can.
0: I mean, obviously, it's raging hormones in there. Oh man,
1: and I, I, I was intimidated for sure. I'm sure. You know, and and honestly, looking back, you know, it was a very difficult class that year. Like I, I almost walked away. Probably about November. Like I started in in August and November, I was just like, this is not for me. I remember talking to my aunt because she was, so she was PE teacher. Then she went on to be administrator as well. So she had been around education too. And I remember talking to her and I'm just like, I can't do this. Like this, this is not for me. And then plus I had in my head, I had such a high expectation of myself because my aunt was well-known in the community and my dad. And I felt like I had to live up to their expectations and everybody else's expectations of me because, you know, I was like Ernie's daughter or I was, you know, Pam's niece, you know, living up to that. And, and I think that pressure like just got to me, but I stuck in there. Does Um, it
0: make you a better principal that now you know how, what young teachers are going through?
1: Absolutely. And especially when there's brand new teachers, I really do take them under my wing. Um, Because there's, and it's funny because I actually Googled like the, the, the phases of teaching, there's actually a chart with it. You know, there's so much anticipation you're going up and up. And then when like September hits, there's a big dip. And that's because of the overwhelm, like everything's new for teachers. Like you're having to learn everything on the spot. Plus you're taking care of these kids, lesson planning, and you have like your credential clearance that you have to go through. There's so many things that you're doing and there's such like a disconnect from the work you're doing because you have all these feelings going on. Oh, man. <laughs> and so by the time December comes, you finally get that break. You can relax a little bit. And then you, you, let's be honest here. You use all your breaks to prepare. So you're ready for when the kids come back because you're literally just, surviving.
0: You mean the principal doesn't make martinis for you and you're going <laughs> to sit out and have a little drag on a cigarette? No, nope, nothing. N- nothing. Cuz I heard she's a great yeah. mixer.
1: <laughs> no, nope, not that crazy one. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, so going through all that um the first year and then by the time spring comes you get like that momentum back again uh-huh. and then you realize okay, I can do this. But that first year, yeah, I was I was that close. walking away from everything, but what was I going to do? And I (laughs) still had that going. Yeah. Yeah. The Ramada in and take it right back. Yeah. And then I wondered, I'm like, God, should I have stuck with kinesiology? (laughs) And I went back, I did. I went back to that too. And so I think that's why at a, at an early age, early age of teaching that I always, I was looking for more and I was and and I wasn't looking for more income. I was looking for how can I make an impact on a bigger level.
0: Was there any guidance around you you could have fallen back on?
1: Of course, I mean, I had. Did you utilize your dad? I did, but I think for my dad, like, you know, he envisioned me in the classroom, you know, and putting in that time, and you know, he he always saw me as a leader. Always, and and I think he's the one that helped to plant seeds early on, even for me, like being team captain and everything on on the teams, because he saw my potential, and I think that's what it took—other people showing me what I could do—in order for me to rise to the occasion. Right. Yeah. And so, I um, by my third year as a teacher, um, I was working at a at a site that was a K through sixth grade site. We were going through construction. Okay. And they were going to turn it into a K through eighth grade school. So they're building this whole brand new building. We're going through Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Those middle school kids. Right. Yeah. So the girls
0: are like six years ahead of the boys and body and everything. Totally, totally.
1: That awkward time in everybody's life. (laughs) Oh
0: God. No way
1: you couldn't drag me back to that time (laughs) or you can come back anytime Matt. i'm good (laughs) i'll send you over (laughs) i'll give you a tour (laughs) Uh,
0: oh god junior high that's gotta be just
1: it's a a rough time and and for that school site so we were and not just that school site. our whole district was going through a transformation because they were starting to implement more k-8 sites and they were doing a whole reconfiguration because our district was growing Okay. Yeah. And so they were trying to restructure because the middle schools were so impacted. They had to have some of the kids go to the K-8 sites. Jesus. And that first year was, was tough because a lot of the kids had come from traditional middle school sites to the K-8s. And so they didn't have any buy-in, like at all. You know, I remember a, a kid in particular that had a really rough time. Um, I was on my prep period and I used to help out. You know, I go in the hallway and try to like help monitor or help any kids that were having like some behavior issues and things like that. And there was this kid I was walking with just to talk to him to see what was going on. And he's like, I just don't feel like I belong here. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, let me show you something. So we walk all the way. We're on a second story building, the brand new building. We walk all the way down to the end of the hallway and there's this window that faces out to the street. And then we have a, our marquee is there. And on the marquee was the logo for the school site, and below it, it said elementary school. And I said, and he's like, "That's why." And I'm like, you know what? I didn't even realize that. You know that these kids, like, for something like that to even feel like he feels like he's with little kids now. Right. You know, coming from from the middle school site, and so even that story, like as I got into later on being an administrator, like I took that part with me and realized how important branding is when it comes to being part of a culture.
0: Absolutely. It's funny how that kid had the insight. No other adult did. Right.
1: Right. You know, I'm
0: 13 and why am I with these six year olds?
1: Exactly. And so after talking with him, I had decided that I, and it wasn't just because of him, like I had already sure. decided like, look, I want to help this school out. Cause that the school was crazy that first year we had all kinds of issues in this and that. And I'm like, I'm ready to step up as an administrator and make a difference. And so I had gone to. Um, another master's program (laughs) (laughs) so this is master's number two for my administration credential so that I could be an admin and so within nine months I had my admin credential and I was ready so I applied for a job and luckily they did give me a job at the same school site that I was at wow yeah which was awesome because that was the school that I wanted to help out and with our team we turned that school around within two to three years they like that school has been a powerhouse within the school district now which is awesome to see but again like going back to my history now right so I had that experience at Oxnard High School I had that experience at Fullerton and now I've had that experience even being a professional where I go in and I know like I can help that team get to where they need to be you love to rebuild (laughs) I love it (laughs) (laughs) I love it Yeah. And so that led me after a couple years. I, and again, I'll, I always like say, I'm never going to. And then I end up saying, guess what I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) do? So, first of all, I said I was never going to be an administrator, which I did. Bingo. (laughs) And then I said, I'm never going to be a principal. I don't want that kind of responsibility. And my mentors and, you know, the principal I was working under, she was like, you need to be a principal. Like you have everything that it takes. Like you have all the experience you need. Like you need your own school. And so the perfect opportunity came up. Um, one of the, uh, one of the principals was retiring and this was a school site. So it was also a K5, K6 site. Okay. And they were in the process of rolling up into a K8, very similar to the school that I was at before. Oh boy. Now what's so special about this school is that, in 2003, my dad opened the school. Wow. <laughs> he was the principal. And so he opened the school. He was there for about three or four years. And then my aunt was the next principal of the school. <laughs> and then after she left, um, cause they had her go on to another school site, another principal came in and then another principal and that was the principal that was retiring and then this opened up and so i said you know what now i'm going to do it now is the time you know i thought that i would be the perfect fit because i had gone through all that experience of building the the last site that i was in and then having the opportunity to pass on, you know, (laughs) I guess you could call it like a legacy now too, right? That's what people say, you know, because my family was there before, but to be able to put this school, you know, back to the way it needed to be, and also to be able to make it a powerhouse within the district. So that's where I've been for the last three years now.
0: What are the chances (laughs) that father and daughter principal at the same school, the one in which he opened, and now you've, you know, helped convert to a different Caleb. Yeah,
1: yeah, it really special. I mean, I, you know, I didn't know if they were going to give it to me just because of, you know, politics, of sure. course, within education. But, you know, I... Wait,
0: there's politics in education? <laughs> oh,
1: man. <laughs> wow, I never would have guessed. <laughs> yeah, but if anything, you know, especially because my dad was in the district and he was a board member, like, I feel like I've I've had to work even harder, you know, just to prove myself. And I always disconnected that like I never wanted to be seen as like oh well just because she's you know the board member daughter this is why like no like I had I had so many hoops and hurdles you know that I had to get through and and in particular when I first wanted to be an administrator so technically you have to have five years of classroom teaching experience right oh So remember in 2011, I told you that, that's when I finally got my full-time teaching experience. Right Before then, because of the recession, I only had part-time teaching jobs. So those don't count towards your years of experience unless it's like 75% of the year or higher. And one of the years that I was a part-time teacher, um, I would have made that 75% mark, but my dad and my grandma were in a very bad car accident. And so I took time to be by my grandma's side because she was in the hospital and, you know, just taking care of her. And I just felt because I was the person in the family that didn't have like a full real job, like I could take some time and, you know, be by her side. Right. So when I applied for the assistant principal position on on the. the information that they had for the job, the description, it said that they, that you needed three to five years of teaching experience. So that's why I applied for it. And I ended up making it all the way through to the final round and they, at the time, they selected three assistant principals because that's what they needed at each of the sites. Well, we ended up having to get a waiver for me because I technically had 4.67 years of experience and not five. And so there was all of this political warfare, you could say, you know, especially with other board members and and so forth, because they thought I was trying to get a free pass because of my dad. And it wasn't, it's because I technically didn't have (laughs) the amount of years, um, That I needed on paper, but I I did have the experience. But due to the recession and everything that went on, and with my grandma, I never got that fifth year.
0: You didn't get the completion.
1: but I had I had the experience. You know, I knew I could compete. I knew I could be up there with everybody else. Wow. Yeah. So.
0: Let's hold it real (laughs) quick. So, now that you're a principal Mm -hmm. at a place, what kind of a responsibility you think you've got to take in because now it's different running yeah. a class of 30 kids sixth graders or you name that grade to now running a school your responsibility as a teacher is kids now your responsibility are kids teachers whatever other staff that's there budgetary like yeah and you got to work with a district i mean were you thinking, I'm ready to take this on?
1: <laughs> I don't think I was ready for that part, to be honest. Because right? there's a yeah. lot of back end. Yeah. You know, I was, I knew I wanted to lead. I wanted to like, you know, develop and do all these great things. But yeah, there's also like the housekeeping part of it, right? And, right. And managing. And, yes. Yeah. So, and that's the hard part about being a principal because... And parents. Yes. Right. That. That's a right. huge aspect.
0: 30 kids got... Roughly how many parents now you've got
1: thousands of parents. Yes. Yeah. And as a classroom teacher, you, you know, you close your door and you have your 35 kids and that's your world. And as a principal, my doors are 800 students, a hundred staff members. You know, it's, it's big, it's big, it's a big responsibility. and was I ready? I don't think I was ever ready. I don't think I was ready to be a teacher. I don't think I was ready to be an assistant principal. And I probably wasn't ready, you know, to be a, a principal. Like, I thought in you were going to say bartender. Line. Yeah, I'm you, bartender to <laughs> No, I think bartending, you're yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, but I think what I'm always ready for is the challenge. That's what I, and I think being an athlete, that's what we're accustomed to. Is like, we rise to the occasion, we rise to the challenge. And that's why I feel like any area of my life, like I'll be ready because if I'm determined and that's what I want to do and that's what I want to see succeed, like I'll make it happen, I'll figure out a way.
0: What's your biggest challenge wearing that principal hat?
1: Oh, many. Um, I think the biggest thing is having to be on all the time, like like it doesn't shut off even when I go home.
0: Now, are you at the same uh, school now that
1: you started as a principal? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, same school that my dad was right. at and everything okay. like that too. Yeah. So, um, what's it, the what's the makeup? Mostly Hispanic? No, it's a mixture. Okay. So we have, um, but in a, in our. Um, district, it is predominantly Hispanic. So even at our site, yes, technically technically we do have, um, you know, a lot of English learners too, but we have a mix at my school site in particular. Um, So many different demographics. I have, honestly, I have the best staff. I really do. I have the best staff and I have the best kids and teachers, you know, everybody that come to our site and parents too, you know, as much as you say parents, yeah, of course you're always going to have your few, but they have my back and they from day one you know they everybody was a little bit apprehensive because you know i if you look in the history of me for education like i did move quick up the ranks you know within five years you know i was an assistant principal right and then from three years i went to being a principal and now three years as a principal, like that's pretty quick, yeah. you know, moving up. Um, and I think that's why when I first got to my school site as the principal, I had to prove myself, obviously, you know, because even now people don't know I'm the principal. No. (laughs) Because I'm young, I'm, you know, I'm always out there. (laughs) If
0: I'm doing casting, you're not my principal in my TV show. I'm sorry. Right. You're 35 years too young. Like you just, it's not you. I'm sorry. I'm going for something straight out of LA casting. (laughs) So yeah, I'm sure you get lost in the wash. I do. And people think- Are you looking for your second grader?
1: Right. Yeah. And people either think I'm another teacher. I'm the counselor or- Yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. And um because I'm very hands-on. You know, and, and not a lot of principals do that. Like they're not out with the kids. Like I'm out in the front. Like talk about like other duties as a sign. Is that youthful? Yeah. Is that you being youthful? It is. It is. And and me being that team player and that's I guess like my leadership what I'm known for is bringing that team element, that team aspect to it. That's what people talk about all the time. And that's what I do. Being an athlete helps? Absolutely. Hundred percent. I and it's especially being a team
0: sport. If you yes. play tennis, right, it's one or wrestling. It is a team sport, but you're on your own. You had to play with those other girls. Right. They mattered. Yeah. If it, someone doesn't set you the ball, you're no good as a hitter. Right. And if someone doesn't dig it, then that setter's no good and you're no good. So being a team player, it paid off for you in the long run. It
1: did. It did, and going back, I mean, even to that 2002 season, you know, like having all those hardships, like I think that's what prepared me even for not not getting to where I wanted to, even in education, because like I talked about those roadblocks that I had to face, and there were times, I mean, I applied and I didn't get the job, like I didn't get it right away. I had to come back, okay, how am I gonna, you know, do things differently so I get it the next time? And so having that element to it, like as a principal, That's what I believe, like I bring something different to the table because if you walk onto my campus, you will feel like the presence of my team because there's not any job that nobody will do. Like everybody helps out in every element. You'll, you'll see me out there, I'll be sweeping, I will be, I cross the kids, I'm out in the parking lot directing traffic, like I'm on the, the PA system making announcements, like whatever it takes to, to make sure that our kids succeed and our team succeeds. Wow. Yeah.
0: So how in God's green earth, doing all of that, bartending, getting married, all that stuff, did you decide, you know what, I'm going to help people out and help with this thing called rebranding. Like it's so like, like you didn't have enough on your plate. I know I'm sure you were giving out plasma and donating, you know, oh, blood on the weekend yeah, and right. saving whales. Like you, where did this come yeah. from?
1: Yeah. Just, you know, always finding a way to make myself better and to see what I can give to the world. Right. Like that's, that's how I've always been. Like I'm i I'm a giver and I, I do things for other people. So like I said, you know, never say never, but I said I'd never get a doctorate degree. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2015, um, this was right before I was gonna be an assistant principal, um, one of my, um, my teacher friends and I we we were both talking. And we we're like, you know what? It would be awesome if we get like our doctor degree because imagine how many more doors like that's going to open for us later on. And so we're like, okay, well, let's do it together. So we signed up for this online program.
0: You guys can take a pottery class or yoga. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she was a former athlete too, college oh, athlete. Oh, so. Jesus! See, we just have to keep shooting keep for the stars. Keep shooting the stars. <laughs> What's yeah. this
0: Bitcoin I hear? Of? That's what you should have started at right? fifteen. Shilled. No, yeah. <laughs> let's get a
1: <laughs> so crazy. I just, you know, and, um, so you guys sign up and you yeah, guys, yeah we signed, so we signed up and this was in the summertime getting ready to go into the fall of that year. And so that's when I had gotten the position for an assistant principal. And so at the time I was like, there is no way that I'm going to start a brand new job as an administrator and be going, you know, back to school and doing all this. So I told her, I said, look, you start, start the program, and then I'm gonna wait like six months to see if I can juggle this new job and this, and then I'll get started. You like too. sent her out ahead like yeah, Oregon Trails. Right? I'll see you. <laughs> let me, me if like you survive. You get it started, totally, totally. Sent her off there. Yeah, know, it's supposed to be
0: Lewis and Clark,
1: not Lewis. <laughs> I'll come see it a little it's bit. It's like the tortoise and the hare. <laughs> Let's see, see if we can uh, catch up. So, um, so then, December comes and I was like you know what I'm ready like I want to get this going like I know I know eventually I'm going to need a doctorate degree because if I wanted to move up in education like there, there's a few ways you either go back down as a teacher being an administrator you stay where you're at you know you could go and be a principal and stay there forever and if you want to move up then it's like a district level And so I'm like, okay, maybe I want to be a director, maybe one day a superintendent. I don't know, but I want to get that ace in my back pocket in case I need to pull it later. So I started the program in uh, January of the fall of 16. And so I, you know, went, started online and I had to figure out how I was going to make this work because being an administrator, you know, I'm at work at 7.30, sometimes I don't leave until 7.30 if we have events and things going on. So where where am I gonna find the time for this, right? (laughs) And so I made a schedule for myself and I started getting up early in the morning. I started getting up at five o'clock in the morning and I would get up, I would, um, sometimes either like go to the gym and work out and listen to some of the audio books for the classes that I needed to do. So I'm killing two birds with one stone, Right. or sometimes I would get up and I would do like the blackboard posts, mind you, everything's online. Cause I, it was a hundred percent online course, which at the time was like unheard of. Now everybody's online. Right, right. Cause I didn't want to travel. I didn't want to have to have that on top of everything else that I was doing. And so I did that, and um, as it got closer to being time to do my dissertation, you had to pick a topic, and you had to either do like qualitative or quantitative research. And so I was like, huh, I wanted, at first, what I wanted to do was look at administrators who used to be former athletes, and how they have been successful within their school sites, because I knew within the county, you know, getting to know other people, I knew a few people who used to be former athletes. And it seemed to be all of their school sites were doing awesome.
0: They had their shit together.
1: Right. And so I was very curious about that.
0: Interesting.
1: And so this by now is I'm getting ready to be principal by the time I'm getting ready to figure out what I wanted to do for this. And so that was my idea at the time. But then I talked to my dissertation chair and I told him, look, I'm having another life changing event. I'm now going to be a principal. Like, what do you think about this topic still? And she's like, okay, look, she's like, I'm going to be honest with you. She's like, it's a great topic. You know, I think it's worthy of everything. She's like, but it's going to take you forever. Qualitative studies take so much longer because you have to do interviews. You have to do all the the research. Yeah. And then the, the dictation with it, you know, you have to write in all those reports. And she's like, "What if we tweak it? Let's look at something that would be much easier and straightforward." Because at this point, I'm like, "Let me just get this doctor degree." You it's know. Not enough hours in the day for <laughs> right. you at this point.
0: You do have to right. like, brush your teeth and sleep yeah, a little bit. Yeah, exactly.
1: And be with my family, my husband, oh, that and all guy. that. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> him too. Yeah, yeah. So you need to get him a job at the school. At least you could see him there. Yeah. Hey, sometimes he's actually the mascot. <laughs> so if you see any pictures of me with uh, the mascot, that's actually Andy What's in there. The mascot? A bulldog. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Thank God. It's not like a peacock or (laughs) a clown or something. Yeah. (laughs) Awkward hugging that peacock. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, I still wanted to do a study with athletes. And so we talked about switching it to a quantitative study. And basically I looked at Every year, for um, in high school, the 11th graders take the state assessment every year, and okay. so it's called the CASP here in California. It's like the Smarter Balance Assessment, where we look at language arts and math, and it's the Common Core standards. I'm sure you've heard about all that. All right. the parents are in an uproar because you know math isn't the same as when you know mm-hmm. we were growing up and all that. Right. Because two and two is not yeah, four, right? <laughs> because it could be four. It could be. It, could be. it yeah. could be. But you have to show your reasoning behind <laughs> it, right? <laughs> and so. Having having that said, athletes, as you know, bring something different to the table and they're able to figure out harder things because of their experience on the court. So I was really curious to see how athletes perform on this more rigorous test, because it's not just like when we were going to school, you know, A, B, C, or D, select one, like you actually have to apply yourself. And so I looked at a local high school and I did research on an 11th grade class from a couple of years ago. And I did all my research on that and found that in both subject areas, every single time, the student athletes outperformed athletes who did not participate in sports. And I looked at elite. I looked at varsity only athletes. Interesting. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was a pretty cool thing to see. And, you know, I presented it to the district and all that so that they had that information, but it really brought it back to, this is why it's so important that we have athletics in school because it, it's huge like even for me had I not had my dad not started that volleyball team back when I was in fourth grade, I don't know where I'd be now either. I don't know if I would have picked it up in middle school or, or high school you mm-hmm. know and not had that exposure that my aunt gave me when I was five years old right you know, because
0: even, if she hadn't have played she wouldn't have been able right. to get that exposure
1: right and so that's what first started to plant a seed for me that, I needed to do something even bigger with this information. And not only that, like, what could I do with the athletic community again? Because I really, I, I, I miss being part <laughs> of the athletic world you and did, didn't kept you? growing, going back to that.
0: Athletes can't leave it. No, you
1: know, and even at my school sites, like I, I built these huge athletic programs. Like when I was an assistant principal, I left a huge program behind like that I b- had built over there.
0: That's so funny. Like the athlete can never leave the athlete. They just still want to do something.
1: Exactly. And so... When i finished um i had a hard time like with some of the writing so i found this guy online his name was dr guy and he had like an online course to kind of help you with some of the chapters because some of the chapters are like (laughs) really intense that you have to do within the dissertation and so i'd worked with him for a little bit (laughs) i know i just (laughs) all that scholarly writing yeah it is (laughs) yeah it's intense it's intense and so um After I had finished with him, he's like, hey, he's like, write to me when you're done and let me know when you finally finish, like I wanna know. And so I had reached out to him on LinkedIn um, because that was one of the platforms that we had communicated with. And I told him, I said, you know, had I not found your program, I don't know if I would have finished. Like he really just helped me to see things a lot clearer. Like, you know, thank you for all that. And then, he's like, well, I'm going to send you something in the mail. Okay. Like a little, a little, you know, congratulatory kind of thing. So he sent me, um, this letter and, uh, this little book that he had sent to. And in the letter, he also put in there, you know, what are you gonna do now with your dissertation, right? I'd put four years, you know, blood, sweat, tears, curse words, everything else, <laughs> you name it, <laughs> into this, this like book that I never thought I would finish writing. And you know, cause scholarly writing it's great and all, but it's not how I like to write. Right. You know, it's something that I it's had not real. to do. It's not real.
0: Yeah. It's not real. Nobody sits around <laughs> and goes, boy, I love to read that Right? Novel. Yeah. <laughs> like, Put a pencil in your eye first. yeah.
1: But it needs to be written. Yeah. And so I did the work and I, I never really thought of like, what's next? You know, I thought maybe I would go try to get a director position or whatnot. And I was like, wow, look at this letter. In the letter, he's like, you know, take, take your dissertation and turn it into a product or service or book. I was like, huh, I never thought of that before. And so he had a course, like a beta course that he was just starting and it was $500. Again, there's that magic number 500
0: bartending school books.
1: (laughs) And so I was like, you know what? And I told my husband, I was like, you know what, this sounds like something I would be interested in because maybe he has some ideas that I haven't even thought of because usually when you're done with your dissertation, what you go into being a professor, you know, and doing things like that. So I thought that's what was next for me, you know, eventually working at a university. And so I worked with him for about six weeks. Um, So he'd have like an hour webinar each week and then we met three different times one-on-one. Where did you find the time? (laughs) <laughs> God. Time is of the essence. <laughs> you ever heard of Einstein theory yeah. before? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. We create time. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Hey.
1: Yeah. So you're in the
0: shower doing his course. Totally, yeah. Right? Yeah. Just yeah.
1: listening to Sorry it. Sorry about the water. Got a swear day. <laughs> yeah. And so we talked and I told him, you know, I keep going back to that inner athlete in me. Like, And he's like, well, think about maybe some of your experiences that you had and like where you got to be now. And I was just like, I thought back and I thought back all the way to like my experience at Fullerton. And then also when I was leaving to graduate. Right. And I thought I had it all together. Right. Like this great plan of, oh, yeah, I'm going to move back home and start the credential program and life's going to be great. I'll be making money and, you know, within a year or two and things will be great. And to have that moment where I didn't know what was next and to have my plan A fade away and not even have a plan B and nobody even talked to me about what it's gonna be like after college and not only college but leaving college athletics. Like I look back now and I was depressed. Like I was going through some some mild depression at the time that I, I wasn't aware of because that identity I had been Sarah, the volleyball player, since I was eight years old. And I left Fullerton not even knowing who I was besides being that volleyball player and besides thinking that I'm going to be the educator because that's all I knew. Like I didn't know myself outside of any of that.
0: Do you think you needed someone to tell you, Sarah, okay, volleyball's done, slap you on the ass, go this way? Because you had been so rigorously, we get up at five, we work out, we do this, we do that, that you got stuck in this very rigid lifestyle for five years that when it was over, you just had no
1: clue. 100%. I needed somebody. And that's that's exactly the moment I figured out I needed to create a program. I needed to be a coach for somebody. I needed to be the coach that I didn't have. We, we've had coaches our whole life, right, as right. an athlete. And then the moment we need a coach the most,
0: we don't have one. Now, because Cal State Fullerton's a small commuter school, mm-hmm. do you think this exists at a Texas, a Miami, you name that big school that's got money, Michigan, they just don't know what to do with themselves? Yeah. There is that kind of advisor when it's ending for athletes?
1: I think now, more so because this has been a problem and it's starting to surface but back when I used to play I don't think this existed and I and, and it's very similar to you know those who are in the military right because they're like part of that team that unit they mm-hmm. have that structure they know exactly what to expect and then they go out and be a civilian and that's why they have depression too and they right. go through all these phases and I think being an athlete we go through the same thing.
0: Yeah no there's a special ops guy I follow and he's like when it was done I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. I just spent 20 some odd years you know being a badass they turned it off I stopped I walked away and he's like I didn't know what to do yeah. but drink. Right. I just yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I remember going to the gym even, you know, I came home, you know, once I finally got that bartending job <laughs> and I had enough money to get a, <laughs> to buy a gym membership at good 20, old Valley back yeah. in the day. Sure. I mean, I would go for like three hours, man. I would go for three hours to the gym because that's Did all you I try knew. Every, piece every of a, machine. This is nice. <laughs> Look at this one. To work on my arms yeah. today. I mean, like yeah. you just didn't. And I think what it was, because yeah, I wanted to be in that environment. I wanted to be around people who, you know, and they were we probably thinking you were not, creeping. Not every, <laughs> Right? Jesus. We know not everybody at the gym, you know, is an athlete, but no, that everybody right. goes. But, you know, I was like trying to find that part of me again. And I remember my mom was like, what are you doing? Like, you're why the, are you going there for so long? Yeah, you're the fittest bartender yeah. in the county. <laughs> when I had moved back home, nobody was around. You know, my friends from high school, yeah, even, gone. everybody's gone. So I'm trying to find my own community. And it was hard to find. And so keeping that in mind and the struggle I went through during that, that dark time really in my life is what got me to create rebranded athlete. It's because we are always going to be an athlete. You're always going to have that identity inside of you, but you have to find a way to repurpose it and turn it into something else into life after sports.
0: Right. No, it's important. Yeah. So where did you start the Genesis, like of the 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 thought on this? Okay. If I write this book, this is going to help everybody, some people,
1: the lost. And I hate to use that term, yeah. but you are a bit lost. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, what do you, what do you think? You know, it's funny. The the book was actually an afterthought. Okay. That, that was not first. So first was, um, like a coaching program. That's what first came to mind. Okay. You know, If I can, if I can work with universities or if I can get them early, because, you know, it's one to like triage afterwards after they've already graduated and they've had, you know, bad experiences. But I really thought, God, this could be a program like for juniors and seniors in college to start having those conversations so that by the time they get out, they're not, you know, blindsided by they're not going to be the 2% that go pro because that's the, st- the statistic. Right.
0: And that's that NCAA commercial. I mean, yeah. Mike Greenlee and I tried for years to get the university to do something on our athletes. And there's Sarah, the, the chemist or, you know, Bob, the whatever, and, and do this thing. And they were like, nah, they just, they didn't want to go there. They liked the fact that wow. Sarah was the volleyball player. Because that got to the tournament, or you know, Jason Windsor got to the tournament, and that made money, but then it showed the other side. At that time, university didn't want any part of that kind of, I guess, insight Right to the other side of the athlete. Now it's sexy. The NCAA has those commercials all the time, right. the other side of the yeah,
1: 2%. Right, but it's just... And and to think about like all of these athletes, right? Like we're all so high level and then we go out to the workforce and like me, like, you know, I was working with other people who didn't have the experience that I had or the education that I had either. And I didn't know like how to get to where I needed to be.
0: And your structure might be extremely foreign to most people. Yeah. The way your life was rigidly built. Like we do this, 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 this. right.
1: And that's why they wanted to make me the manager right away because they saw my work ethic right. and my ability to problem solve, you know, and I think that's what we bring to the table. That's so different because we've had those experiences where we're in the moment and we literally have to figure it out.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh. She's like, I listen, I had 2002. This is a
1: Seriously. cake. We can
0: get through the Goldstein's bar mitzvah. No problem. <laughs> we're going to water down all the gin, right. but we're yeah. going to make yeah. it we'll through. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. <laughs>
1: Oh my God, it's so, so right. So it is, <laughs> no, right? Yeah, yeah. So how
0: did they, how do universities or anybody take to it in your original thought? Were, were they open
1: to it? Yeah, you know, uh, they are, but the funding, you know, so that's, that's the whole thing is like what they want to spend their money on. And I think right. for the investment, like the, the buyback from it, I mean, you're going to, if you're, if you are recruiting top level athletes you need to be thinking about them beyond sports too, because not everybody's doing that. Right. And if you can have, you know, sell your program, like, you know, we're not only gonna take care of you while you're here, but we also have this resource for you so that by the time you have graduated with us, you have a plan of action. You, you know what life after sports is gonna be like if you don't go pro, which is gonna be mostly everybody. Right. We'll take
0: um, baseball. You have Jason Windsor, same time you were Mm -hmm. there, right? Total stud, uh, MVP of the World Series, Justin Turner, who was a very good player but was not, nobody thought that year he was going to go on and make millions of dollars, be in three World Series. But everybody thought Windsor was going to be it. He's in sales now. The other guy, he's playing in L.A. at the Dodgers. Like, you don't know. And so, to not give those guys that kind of back end support, it it's not—it's not good. Right. It's, it's, it's better to help them out.
1: Yeah, absolutely it's, you know, it's almost, it's almost like a disservice, you know, yeah, to, no, to the athlete community, it. you know, really. And, and I think that's why, like, for me, like educating people more on it and even the universities too, because the coaches aren't thinking like they're thinking now in the moment, right. right? They're not thinking long-term for these players. And, and I bet like, even for my coaches, like if I needed something, I could have reached out and like, you know, said, Hey, I need help with this. And they would have helped, but I didn't know where to turn. Now, what
0: if you get the other side of the coin? Someone says, oh, you're being the spoiled athlete. You got a free ride. You got whatever you want. You didn't have to work. I, you know, I was, I was a bartender while I was in college with a fake ID doing whatever I had Mm -hmm. to like, come on, figure it out. What do you say to that?
1: Yeah. And you get the other end of it too, right? right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know, so, so how has it gone with Helping athletes.
1: It's great. I mean, I, and the thing of it is, is like, I haven't had that much time yet because, you know, being a full-time principal, but, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I did just announce to my staff and families and, uh, the last few weeks that this is my last year as a principal. Really? It is. It is. And I believe in this work so much. And I know that this is going to change lives that I am going full in on the rebranded athlete company it uh, goes
0: back to the vegas thing you're
1: moving all your chips <laughs> all the chips all, all the chips moving it all in. in moving it all in like yeah.
0: like leslie wesley, or wesley yeah. snipes has a bat on black you're going right. all in <laughs>
1: betting it all in there oh yeah. man yeah and it's that's you know bold. it is bold are you scared in a good way i'm scared you just said it 30 <laughs> seconds ago i mean that's big yeah it's huge but what I was know. their response oh, there. of course, you know, I've, I feel like I've lived through my eulogy, my funeral, like all these things in the, in the last few weeks. And for me, I knew that this was going to happen like a year ago. And in fact, even before that, like, I felt like I wasn't being totally fulfilled or like my, my knowledge, my services weren't Hundred percent in where it needed to be.
0: Jesus Christ, woman, you're an old soul <laughs> because you're talking like you're eighty. Like right, like you. I have, feel like it some well, days. But you have like this like deep knowledge. Yeah. Like I, I have more to give. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for the love of God, that's that's a bit of long,
1: deep thinker to think yeah. that. Yeah. That well, there's all more. that schooling probably helped, right? Yeah, that and the bartending. <laughs> yeah, that's <too. laughs> you. No, it's
0: not short Yeah, that. no, not at all. But that's huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I just. You know i've been looking for something that i've been as passionate about as i was as a volleyball player like as an athlete like everything that i'm going to be coaching my clients through is like exactly what i've been through like how you find your your purpose how you find your potential and your path and and have experiences outside of just being that athlete, because most athletes go into being a coach, they right. go into sales, they go into kinesiology. these things. Kinesiology. You know, things that are easy, things that they know. And if we're not aware, if we don't have like our sensors up, we could get back into a corner.
0: Well, okay, so you and I, we meet, we're on an elevator. Give me the pitch, What? what right? I'm about to graduate, I played baseball. What's the pitch?
1: So Rebranded Athlete helps athletes to, first of all, identify who they are outside of their sports. And so what we do is we help you identify your potential, your path, and your purpose, and give you a game plan for life after sports of how you're going to take the lessons, the hard life lessons that you learn on the court and apply them to life afterwards and find what you're meant to do with your life. What most athletes don't realize is they think that being an athlete and playing at that elite level, that was the peak in their life. You're going to have so many more peaks, but you have to find what it is that's going to drive you and get you up each and every day as much as your sport did. And what happens with athletes and even for me like as an educator, like I feel like it didn't matter what I majored in, it didn't matter what job I went in, like I was gonna do well because that's just who I am, like I'm driven, right? Yeah. But if I'm not totally a hundred percent passionate about what I'm doing, then I don't feel like I'm living my life to the fullest. And for the last few years, I don't feel like I've been living my life to the fullest. I think I I got backed into education, but I found a way. To create a new extension of me as an educator.
0: Wow. Do you think the D1 football player at Florida State has a bigger challenge than the female lacrosse player at Cal? Because maybe you know he the football player has maybe just doesn't have that potential. And the lacrosse there has never been. So maybe she's got her idea of like, yeah, I'm going to go into marketing. And he's like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've only been a football player.
1: Yeah. Who's got the bigger challenge? (laughs) Well, I think, I think what it comes down to, like either one is going to have a challenge because that's their identity. right? Right. But it's also your exposure, what you've been exposed to and the experiences that you've had. And like, even, even selecting a university, right? Like you have to go and you have to see, like, is this, is this something I want to do? Is this a fit? Yeah. Cause most of us, like we get our degrees and we think that's going to be a good fit, you know? And, and we're part of the generation now, like we can continue to pivot, you know, we can continue having ways and different, different jobs, different career opportunities because honestly, because of the internet. Now I've I'll have to say, right. you know, so many things that bring us together and that educate us beyond just a degree.
0: What advice would you have given 18 year old Sarah?
1: <laughs> I would have, I would have told 18 year old Sarah that even though you're going to go through some hardships, you're going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out along the way and you're going to find where you're supposed to be. So don't, don't get discouraged.
0: Now, what do you give that same advice to Sarah five years later? What's that advice? Five years from, from no, from, eight th- from the eighteen-year-old to now, the I'm getting, I'm reading a yellow oh. letter in front of a mailbox, <laughs> and there's a party going on, and I'm like reading it six times because it looks like it's Latin.
1: So that Sarah, I would have told her that you need to get your act together that last year. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the same thing, like you're like things are going to happen in your life, and it's not, it's not. It's about how you react to it, how you respond.
0: How it, good were you with time management? As an 18 year old?
1: As an 18 year old, not very good. You know, I mean I wish they that I wish that was almost a course before yeah.
0: you know how they had the um, meet the meet the A D class, all the freshmen, yeah, all the uh-huh. I wish there was like a breakout session on time management. Yeah. yeah. Because if those athletes, students that get it almost 100% right. succeed. Those who don't, it's just an uphill battle. And they're carrying a boulder. Right. Like it's just a battle. Right. And yeah. what you got away with in high school does not happen in college. No, not at all. They don't care if you don't show up. The school didn't care you didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. They just sent you a yellow letter. Right. But in your freshman year in high school, there would have been a detention sent out. and They would have called your parents. You had to come into the assistant principal's office. At a university, it's a check. Right. Period. Right. Done. You don't come, we'll find another Sarah. Right. She doesn't come, we'll find another one. I just <laughs> reload. Exactly. Time it's, management is such a, like... Oh, it's
1: huge. Underestimated, super important thing. Right. Right. And that's, you know, and we feel like we don't have enough time all the time, you know? And I, I know you're asking, like, where do I find the time and space? And, like, I feel you know, because I've had like these jobs of being a principal and things like that, like I've had to figure out how to manage my time. And now going into being an entrepreneur, it's like a whole new breath of fresh air. I can create my schedule and I can, and, and the other thing is like, I can do, and I can make an impact in what I want to do and make a difference. So how was the process with the book? So the book came about, um, so there is a small community of athlete transition coaches, which I found, of course, through all this research that <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing, um, and God bless Instagram, you know, because it's you just a You found so them well. on Instagram? Yes. <laughs> Other than boobs and puppies, <laughs> yes. that seems like there's nothing else. Hey, you're just looking in the wrong <laughs> I section, I got hashtag Matt. what? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Coach insisted like, I, I get the Labradors and I'm that done. I just That's spend study. hours looking at no, retrievers. Oh,
1: isn't it crazy when you go down the rabbit hole? Oh my <laughs> God, that's the
0: best cute looking chocolate lab I've ever seen. Totally. You found
1: them on Instagram. On Instagram. Yeah. And so. um, I would have
0: thought LinkedIn, if anything. just.
1: Yeah. Well, LinkedIn has them too. Right. Yeah. Instagram is, that's where I actually first started doing research to see if there were any other people doing like, you know, athlete afterlife, like whatever it was at the time I was researching. And then it was like transition that kept coming up. I'm like, okay. And then, uh, there's this guy, Taj, he's, you know, awesome. You you would love to talk to him, but, um, Taj, Taj, yeah, Yeah. Taj Deshaun. And he is a good
0: name. (laughs) Sounds like he's going to help you right there. He is.
1: He is. And he uh, is a former football player, um, from Stony Brook university. And so he went through the same kind of thing too, you know, afterwards got a job in sales and, you know, wasn't able to get on with his life or be fulfilled. And he's, I I guess I call him one of the pioneers of athlete transition coaching because he started back in like 2018, 2019 um, with his own coaching platform for it. And so he's a guy that I follow on Instagram. And I saw that he was doing like a story because he was working with um, a publishing company at the time and just writing his own book. And he put it out there. He's like, yeah, first people, you know, 10 people reach out to me. You know, I'll get you connected with... um, you know, like a initial call just to see what it was all about. And I was like, you know, I never, I always said I would never write a book. So here I am again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Those are really dangerous words for you. I know. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) I'm never going to wrestle an alligator. (laughs) Live next week on Instagram. Yeah,
1: totally. Jesus woman. Come on. So here I am and I, you know, set up, I reached out to him and he was like, you know, he's like, I already had 10 people that reached out to me. He's like, but I couldn't sleep knowing that, you know, I didn't talk to you, you know, about this. So he's like, yeah, let's set up a call. So I talked to him, you know, we hit it off right away, you know, heard his story. He heard mine and he just told me about his experience with writing the book and he's like, you know, he's like, think about it. He's like, this is going to open up so many more opportunities with you, especially if you want to like connect with universities, it just gives you like that validation. And I was like, all right, I like, you know, thought this would be pretty cool to do. So, um, the process didn't take me too long. It's just been the refining of mm-hmm. everything and, and the timing as far as getting it out. But did you yeah, enjoy the process? I did. I did, you know, and, and I was so disciplined still with writing that dissertation in the morning. So guess what time I was writing this book? 5 a.m. 5 a.m. At Bally's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at Bally's at five in the yeah. morning. On the treadmill at an elevation of totally. 15 degrees. Totally. You're trying to well, you know what? The, the cool part about that publishing company is that you can actually record yourself and they will dictate it for you too. Oh, that's yeah. gold. Yeah. So if you ever think about writing a book, Thanks. yeah, self-published in 30 days is who I went through. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah, we're in, the, we're in the in the middle of it right now. So the book's called Pivoting from the Game, and it's essentially wrote kind of like it's the program that I developed. But I wanted to be able to give something at an affordable level and, and get it into more athletes' hands. When's it out? It should be out next month by June, okay. by the end of June. Um, if Where not, can they find it? So you can find it on com. Okay. It's also on the rebrandedathlete.com website, and there's a link on there for books. So it's all pre-order right now. Okay. Um, so that's book one. Can they find it on Amazon? It will be. Okay. But it will be that's more a, expensive on right. Amazon. So if you want to get the pre-orders and order it from me, it'll be a lot cheaper. Okay. Yeah. So that's book one. Book two. Wait. But- <laughs> two. <laughs> two. <laughs> Yep, that's two, Matt. <laughs> Shouldn't you just do
0: one, do the tour, and then do two? Most people don't publish two, two books out of the two gate. books.
1: Well, the second one is a co-authoring book okay. that I'm part of. So oh, thank goodness. I know, I right? you were just he's banging just them, them out like New Testament's just yeah. going for it. So that one's called Athlete to Entrepreneur, and that's with Taj. He's the one, uh, he's the creator behind that. So it's me and 20 other athletes who have written their stories about uh, leaving athletics and then how they got into being an entrepreneur. So that'll be coming out too. Same link, you can find it all, sarahlippabooks.com and rebrandedathlete.com.
0: Wow, (laughs) that is awesome. (laughs) Thank you, and you're on Instagram.
1: I'm on Instagram. Yep, at Rebranded Athlete. We're Twitter. also on uh, Twitter. Not so much. I okay. have an account, but don't use it very much. Okay. <laughs> so much, but Facebook. Um, same thing. Rebranded Athlete, and then LinkedIn as well. Okay. Yeah, you can find me at Starlepe.
0: You're controlling all that and social uh, media. Right, yep, and the right whole now, thing, controlling the website. Yep. And yep.
1: The idea though is to grow this into a team.
0: You so. look really healthy <laughs> for a person that sleeps about 90 <laughs> minutes a day.
1: Must be. <laughs> that. Is that the third book? <laughs> It will be. Must be that uh, that vegan diet I'm on. <laughs> oh good God!
0: You have time to eat? Yes. Oh. yes. I you just maybe put the food against I your know. face and fall asleep for 30 oh, minutes. Man,
1: yeah, that yeah. is incredible. Thank you. I
0: am so proud that, that you were able to pull that off, and you're still doing it. Thank and you're, you. Like slowing down is not in your vocabulary. No, no
1: it's it's not. But you know, it's going to be a different kind of pace now. You know, with- oh,
0: right. I don't buy that one <laughs> bit.
1: <laughs> one bit.
0: Not a chance. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So what's the future after you say, thank you school. And are you just nine to five and just <laughs> nine, banging? To, five. No, but nine yeah. to five banging this Got out, it. working on the, yeah. the next step.
1: So July 1st is going to be, you know, when I'm Totally have left education on my own. On my own, um, I'm gonna do a little recharge for myself. So I'm gonna give myself a couple of weeks to just totally disconnect and get refocused and be ready. And then I'm looking to start my next group. My next coaching group is gonna start uh, July 19th. So um, there's also a link on my bio if there's any former athletes that are listening that would like to be part of uh, my coaching program it's a six-week course and by the time you're completed you walk away with a complete game plan and action plan of what your next steps are and you're comfortable knowing what your purpose is and your path of where you want to head next
0: are there any bartending tips in that six-week <laughs> I, program? You know what?
1: That should be a bonus. <laughs> right. a bonus right, in there. <laughs> right. If, if you sign up now. Yeah. Well, no, it's so funny because, you know, most of my, most of the clients, you know, potential clients and people I work with, like, they're so fixated on, I need to have that perfect resume or I need to have, you know, the perfect cover letter after, after you're done. It's like, it's so much more than that. And as- So much more. And <laughs> as athletes, I mean, honestly, like- if, if I were to go back to my resume, like, when I completed, like, I probably have, like, Golden Spoon, because I worked <laughs> there for a little bit. Everybody in Orange <laughs> County knows where that's at. <laughs> Does Gotta that exist around here still? Yeah. That on your resume. <laughs> Everybody worked at Golden Spoon and, and linens and things back in the day. Those were the two jobs I had before, you know, venturing off. And it's, like, you have to be able to sell your skill set as an athlete. I was going to say,
0: did you have...
1: You were an athlete on your resume? I did. Okay. I did. And that is so important for people to have on there. And, but being able to talk about it and talk about how your experiences relate. So like you talk about, like I was team captain. Well, that's management experience. Right, I
0: managed 15 right. women. Exactly. Organized them, got them together, got through workouts, got through arguments and team decisions, you name it. Right. And
1: being coachable. Like that is uh, being a manager and, you know, supervisor. Now that is like the number one skill set that I look for every time I'm trying to hire somebody, because if they're not coachable, forget it. Right. It's not worth it. It's not going to work. And so being able to, you know, say that you've had these experiences and what you bring to the table and plus enthusiasm, right? Like athletes, usually are more outgoing you know you have some of your introverts but they're usually more outgoing and you have no choice help. yeah
0: yeah you got to yeah Thank you so much for the time. This has been unbelievable to like dive into this story and find out more about you. It's I'm so happy for you.
1: Thanks, Matt. This is, you know, a blast from the past and I really enjoyed talking to you today and seeing you for the first time in <laughs> ages in Ages. Yeah. <laughs> and for the first time behind, not behind the camera lens. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But thank you so much for having me on today. And, you know, I look forward to seeing what you continue to do with this podcast too. <laughs> Keep having those great conversations. I'm going to do my best. Thank you so awesome. much.
0: You're awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sarah. Please click.